Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Bachelor. Hello. Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, in a recent survey of listeners in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting Facebook community, 75% of listeners predicted that Holly Kingston would indeed be the woman to win Jimmy Nicholson's heart. Runner-up Brooke Cleal finished in a surprise twist in third place in that poll with a whopping 10% of the vote. And in second place, with 15% of the vote, yours truly, Max Quinn. Zevi, was I robbed? Yeah, I really thought you had it. I think that twist ending mm. towards the end of the show, like when your uh, high-heeled shoe stepped out of the limo, <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to be you, but uh, yeah. maybe next season. I don't know. I, th- I think that's one that the producers will have to keep in the can because it is a good idea. You have arrived with us here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, Australia's 13th most downloaded and 16th most interesting podcast <laughs> concentrated around the category of film and television. Max Quinn is me. Xavier RN is you. Hi, Xavier. Hello. We're gunning for that 15th most interesting slot. <laughs> Maybe this week's we'll the week there. we get there. Yeah. One of these days, we are, of course, here to break down a gripping week of Bachelor in which Swimmy Nicholson Jimmy Nipplson, Jiminy Crickleson, are you going to like this one, Xavier? Uh, Synonymy Stickleson whittled his way with honor and Grace and Brooke and Holly and Jacinta from three <laughs> women down to two women, down to only one woman left standing. The rest of them, no legs, legless. Mm-hmm. Holly Kingston, the presumptive front runner since episode one, was indeed chosen as the woman to join arm in arm with Jimmy at local derby and race days from here until eternity, until death, or irreconcilable differences, do they part? We have so much to cover off in these episodes, including Jimmy's family returning to the fray for further flap and fracas, Jay liaising with The Bachelor New Zealand. Can't have that. And of course, Brooke. (laughs) Yes, she was there. And all that happened. And to do so, <laughs> and to do so, we're gonna need a little bit of help. And who better than two returning veterans, grizzled BOH pod veterans? She is a longtime fan fave, <laughs> musician, Twitch streamer, and according to a recent article in the Guardian, the owner of quote a very nice three dimensional skull. His new EP, first one to leave the party, is out now. He is an author and raconteur whose new book, Sexy Tales of Paleontology, or as I like to call it, Hot Rocks, 
is also out now. <laughs> Together, they are the first couple of Bachelor fandom. Listeners, please say a huge Bachelor of Hearts hello to Eilish Gilligan and Patrick Lenton. Hi, friends. Hello. Hello. What a pleasure for you guys to be back here. For your, you know, for the two of you, we are ambivalent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, it's my great pleasure. I don't know about you guys, but I am very happy to be back mm. here. I thought the pleasure was all mine, but I'm hearing that it might be mine. And I should know. <laughs> And this is sharing. The two of you, um, look, I think the first thing that we should do is just address um, the article that shattered hearts across the internet this week to learn that the two of you uh, might might not be available anymore because you are betrothed to each other. The first anybody's hearing <laughs> we are, about it's it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing that happened on the internet this week, as far as I know. Um, to be honest, maybe the only good thing that happened on the internet this week. The only important. I got thing to the end of yeah. that day, whatever day it went up, and I was like, nothing good happened on social media all day. And then I went, oh no, there was one thing, and that was great. <laughs> um, it is an article that you wrote, Patrick, on uh, dating in the pandemic. We are, of course, still in the throes of it. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. <laughs> let's not be hasty here we're not fucking scientists you know we're not epidemiologists you're right you're right i just uh, my question is when can we accept when can we expect the follow-up what do you think the follow-up's gonna be well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um well i don't know we, we'll have to do something interesting first uh because since that that was sort of the interesting part which was you know meeting over the internet uh you know falling in love dating finally getting to meet you know, which was, you know, a fairly climactic uh, sort of end to the article. Since then, we've just been in various state lockdowns um, and I've watched many seasons of television, uh, which I don't think has quite the same ring to the article. <laughs> if I can, if I can provide maybe an optimistic outlook, um, I do think the world is going to get a lot worse. And so you'll have <laughs> lots of great inspiration. I mean, we've got an incoming climate apocalypse. Mm. You know, we've got the the breakdown of world powers. We've got, you know, I mean, billionaires are just getting richer and lining their pockets day by day. Income equality, gender equality, racial inequality. You're going to have tons of material, <laughs> I think. Is, this is very depressing. This is meant to be our little good news story. <laughs> <laughs> I think the follow-up really would be just like all the television shows we've watched since being in lockdown together mm. instead of apart it's really not that exciting unfortunately <laughs> well, talk us through that because my television show during lockdown has been jersey shore i've watched five oh. seasons i'm really into it uh new experience for me what about uh you guys what are you watching mm. how are you going patrick and i have very different ideas of like relaxing television mm. i love to watch the most like the worst TV you can think of. Yeah. Like think of the worst TV show that you know and then think like three series worse than that. And that's what I like. <laughs> three layers of hell deeper. Yeah. So I really like Super Nanny. Oh. I really like yes. um Dance Moms mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like Toddlers and Tiaras. Like just the worst examples of humanity. Just put it on TV and I will happily sit there and watch it. Yeah. Um, but Patrick's more like narrative based. So Yeah, like I, I believe that I have a trashy sensibility, but it's but it's narrative trash sensibility. So, you know, I want I want my terrible stories to be made up. 
you know. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're talking the difference between, say, 90 Day Fiance and what Pretty Little Liars is that sort of the, yeah, the territory exactly. that we're going to? Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Uh, Emily in Paris, um, oh. you know, like I think I think my genuine favorite show in the world is The Bold Type, you know. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, fun. Yeah. Well, look, um, listeners, you can join us on the dot com on Facebook, the Bachelor of Hearts community. The Bold Type has the man who says the dot com, right? Yeah. He's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. You go on the dot com and then you go to the, the book and then you say Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting Group. And that's um that's where you can find us. You can say hi to to Eilish, Patrick, probably past and future guests of the show, I am sure. We have loved having you all season long and uh yeah, look, uh, I don't have too much to, to say other than, um, you know, that we're stoked to have you here. And Xavier, do we have any news? There are a couple of news items. Yeah. Um, also, I'm very stoked to have you here. Thank you both for being here. Uh, top story this week. I love my friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, look, first, like, news item is actually kind of just about us, really. Next week on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, we will not be recapping a brand new episode of The Bachelor that has just aired on television. Because we're being denied this pleasure by the powers that be. How dare they? Uh, so we're going to do like a little bit of a state of the union address with regards to the condition of the Batchy franchise in Australia. You know, we're, we're drawing to the conclusion right now. Well, it's actually just finished. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Uh, the worst rated season in the history of the show. And so we're hoping to sort of throw some ideas around about you know, ways that the powers that be, whether they're Warner Brothers or Channel 10 or whoever, can ensure the longevity of the franchise. Um, and we would love it if you, dear listener, would like to contribute to the discussion. Um, if you have any ideas about how to keep the show fresh, uh, adapt to the demands of its audience or, or help find a new one, um, please get in touch. You can do it right now. It's not going to matter if you, I mean, you should listen to the rest of this episode because I have a feeling it's going to be quite good, but like get in touch, find us on social media. We also have this feature on our anchor.fm website, which is, I know a URL you have never heard of dear listener. Um, but that's where we host the podcast. And if you go onto our page on there, you can leave a voice memo for us and, um, you know, if if you want to do that and talk to us, we will put it in the pod, I think. I think it'd be a nice way to do it, you know? So, um, yeah, just let us know if you think they should do a series where it's, um, who do we think? Hot dogs. If hot dogs should be The Bachelor and that's your idea, please let us know. Um, if you think it should be, um, they should change it from widescreen to, like, portrait mode like like a quibby uh maybe that would help i don't know um but yeah let us know any idea we'd, we'd be very keen to hear um and we'll be talking about that next week and then after that we're gonna start a new thing which how much do we talk about yeah look it's going to be called bachelor of hearts ancient history and we're going to be going back and looking at uh previous seasons of the show so we are really excited to uh, start with the first American season of The Bachelor, all six episodes of it. Um, and that will be a nice little lockdown treat right for you guys. Right back where it all began. Hopefully that will then carry over to the beginning of Brooke's season of The Bachelorette whenever Channel 10 does decide to wear that. When did the first ever season of The Bachelor in the US air? 
It was 2002. <gasps> the hit song on the radio was, hang on, let me quickly Google it, 2002 in music. Uh, oh, well, we were still, oh, it might, yeah, yeah for that sure. might be it. Oh, the number one song in the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 2002 was, of course, How You Remind Me by Nickelback. <laughs> uh, we were listening to, yeah, we were listening to a lot yes. of Nelly. We were listening to mm -hmm. Linkin Park. We were listening to Asha, Puddle of Mud. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of great hits. Ashanti. Um, <laughs> puddle of Mud. <laughs> Maybe we should do a Puddle of Mud version of our theme song. <laughs> <laughs> she fucking dates me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to really good. do that now. Really good. Uh, excellent. Uh, okay, a little bit more news. A little bit no more news. <laughs> Beloved season nine contestant Stephanie Lynch went rogue this week. Do tell. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I was only made aware of this in the last week, but uh, uh, she did. She has been rogue for a while. Apparently, Steph used a private Instagram page to drop cheeky batchy spoilers and apparently also hang shit on Jimmy Nicholson throughout the show. So, you know, Steph revealed the episode that she was eliminated in about eight hours before it aired on this private page. Uh, she shared some footage from her viewing party with her friends all flipping off a cardboard cutout of Jimmy. You guys remember? How do you get one of those? I know, right? And uh, I guess maybe you have to be on the show. Um, Channel 10 sends them out. Oh, oh. well, they're not sending them widely enough. I'm very sad for Punky because we do a ritual beheading of uh, <gasps> cut out after after the episode, and obviously being in lockdown, Talia won't get that uh, moment of catharsis. Mm. I was going to say it seems a little cruel to send the losers a cardboard cutout of the Bachelor. <laughs> hey, remember that guy who didn't like yeah. you? He's yeah. a life-size reminder. Now he lives of him. in your house. This is how you remind me. <laughs> I thought you were asking, how do you get one of those as in a bachelor viewing party? And the answer is, oh, you yeah. have to be in fucking Perth. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've talked about this. The Instagram accounts of all the contestants this season have been kept under lock and key by the Bachelor producers. So Steph has been a little bit cheeky here. Um, and this may not be directly related. I'm sort of speculating, but she is now one of a dozen participants in this season as of the time of recording who doesn't have a blue tick on Instagram. Um, it was widely reported at the start of the season that contestants who played ball were going to get a cash bonus and a blue tick. So there is a small chance that that's what happened here. She's facing some kind of punishment. But if that's the case, then I really want to know what happened with the other like 10 plus people, you know, the other women who, you know, we don't know what the story is with those, but they don't have them. For Wasn't there a group chat? Well, yeah, there's, there's talk about this WhatsApp chat that happens every year, right? Mm. Allegedly, all the women were involved in a group chat that um they were you know using throughout the season as it aired to to trash the batch mm. it is interesting that oh the God. the people who don't have a tick range from you know night one girl lauren who doesn't exist on anyone's radar except mine um and all the way up to top three contender jay who we will talk about in these episodes I do wonder if the blue tick, I mean, Xavier, you would have a better idea of this as the data holder, <laughs> but I wonder if the blue tick 
um, dishing out has anything to do with like the amount of followers, like the exponential growth that your Instagram experiences. Like mm. if you get this many followers, then you can get the blue tick. Also, just as a side note, not to brag, but <laughs> I have a blue yeah. tick. Mm. And it makes no difference whatsoever to no. anything no. at all. So I don't know if it looks better for brands. Maybe it does, but yeah. I thought it looks. Sorry? Yeah, that's the only difference, right? You get to sw- do, do a swipe up and people without 10,000 followers or a blue tick don't. Yeah. That's true. That's I think true. it's just clout. I don't have a blue tick and I desperately want one on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and mostly so I can get people to read my filthy little articles and swipe ups. Mm. Uh, we'll do our best <laughs> as two people <laughs> who also don't have blue ticks. You've come to the wrong place. Um, I also, I guess I wonder if we want to talk about this. Maybe it's not even a news item. Um, I've just been looking at these Instagram posts a lot this week. And particularly, I was curious about the posts that we've seen from the top contenders pages. So, you know, everybody's Instagram accounts are still being run by Warner Brothers or Channel 10. uh, Yeah. They're still on the show. But we have these like, you know, as the stakes are growing higher and you know, Holly and uh, Jay and Holly and Jay and Brooke are all competing for the ring or the, you know, the batchy. Uh, There are these very personal and like high stakes sort of things being posted on Instagram that are like, you know, almost like fan fiction-y at the end of the day because they're just being written by somebody (laughs) on production, right? I don't think they would have been written by somebody else. I reckon what's happened is the producers have asked the girls to like write like you when they get booted off, like what would you say to your Instagram followers? Mm. You like do a wrap up of your time on the show, then they've edited it so that it has like a shiny kind of wrap up feel to it and then they've posted it. I think the girls have some say mm. in it, but I I think it's been edited by the producers and posted by the producers. I reckon probably um probably more of a moderation uh sort of vibe in the sense that like they post they post something but it has to be approved like eilish said approved mm. but like literally you know they're probably there being like can i post this and someone's like no. well i was wrong and <laughs> 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 look i love it i love laying the fact out there this is guesswork this is guesswork it's true we need we need also- to talk to someone we need intel can I just say that Steph's Instagram is not managed by a third party anymore? That is true. Um, they have been coming off week by week. I think it's like two weeks after they were eliminated, they are now being given the rights to post their own thing. Um, Interesting. So now that mm. Steph is back on her Instagram, she's posting basically the same kind of content that it seems like she was posting on her private one. She's having some fun on there. Also, I know we have to get to the episodes. I'm sorry, no, but please. I just have to say, oh, no, you know what? It's okay. Don't worry about it. I was going to say it's weird that Jimmy and Holly haven't posted anything from home yet, but I just saw that he has. So ignore I that I think point. it's right to raise it, though, because it took them quite a while and there was yep. a lot of speculation, um, just people refreshing the feed and going like, does this mean they've split up? Yeah. Is it just a product of restrictions or whatever? But then there was, con- you know, competing, you know, uh, intel about like they said that they watched the finale together, but you know, if they watched it together, then were they in the same room? Yada yada. Does it breach regulations? Where are they? All this kind of stuff. A lot of hand wringing, I guess, in the community. <laughs> 
the fake out though that Jimmy posted to his Instagram where the caption is with a heavy heart dot 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 yeah. and it's him sitting by himself and then Holly comes on screen. Yeah. Really good. I thought that was a great move. Yeah. He's a he's a master, Jimmy. A master mm. of social media. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna say a master of suspense. <laughs> you're a master of disguise. <laughs> um let's master of the skies i think oh is... my god <laughs> oh my god incredible holy shit all right let's do it let's talk about this fucking show just before we dive into the recaps i said dive into again a phrase that i'm trying desperately every week to stop saying uh perhaps <laughs> before we take off into the clear skies of the recap uh what do you guys think about this season have you been enjoying it have you been watching have you been uh binging well similar to last year i cannot tell how much of my enjoyment is because the show is genuinely good or because i have absolutely nothing else (laughs) 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 because last year i was like wide-eyed and like wringing my hands and being like this is the best season of the bachelor (laughs) ever and it just wasn't that good it was just that i had absolutely nothing else going for me in my life um not true but almost true uh so similar feelings about this season um I thought there were some really fun villains I thought all your commentary about Steph has been really interesting because she was a villain but she was a viable romantic option for Jimmy as Mm. well I felt that that was really fascinating Mm. Jimmy as a bachelor has been fine yeah I liked him um enough but then all the hypocrisy about like coming on not for fame but for love and then like being angry at jay for potentially wanting instagram followers it's like well why did you yeah not go on hinge then you know (laughs) um but otherwise other than that i think it's been really fun um but i've had enough like pilot plane puns for Possibly the rest of my lifetime. I think. There's still another hour or two of this podcast to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first season of The Bachelor that I haven't recapped for work since 2017. Wow. So wow. When I tell you that I have not engaged with this in any fashion, uh, other than just like, you know, like I've watched, I've sporadically watched it. And mm. when I've watched it, I haven't been paying attention, oh. you know? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's imagine. Been, it's been so good because I used to have to write notes, you know? Like, yeah. I, would, yeah. I would sit there writing notes and usually I'd have to um, either be writing or editing the article to a deadline, you know, to post either that night or early the next morning. So it was like life and death. I cannot tell you how little genuine enjoyment I had and you know and how much like my professional career revolved around i'm 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 being uh dramatic um because that is my culture um (laughs) but um because i did not uh recap this one i oh good lord i haven't enjoyed it at all Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, i i just like i really just sort of like i would sort of tune and be like what okay, yeah, whatever. And then I would like go back to my filthy little phone. That said, there are some characters who like are so outworldly and weird that I've really loved them and they've mm-hmm. stuck in my head. I don't love them as people. I think they're terrible people, but I think that they've like, you know, they've, they've grown rude. And Jimmy as a bachelor, I did like, I'm actually a little bit relieved that I didn't have to recap it because me and Beck's recap was very much focused on turning 
the man into a baddie uh, because mm. men suck. Mm. Um, and Jimmy was so bland uh, that it would have been quite hard to actually really find much at all to talk mm. about, you mm. know, like he just kind of, just kind of like flew serenely over everything <laughs> and, uh, and let everyone else sort of just like, he, he was, I felt like he was very much the pilot in the sense that like you had to petition to get past the door um, so that like people don't stab him to death and take control of the plane. <laughs> um, that's my flying metaphor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think he's been kind of about as hands off as you could, you could ever imagine a, a batchy being. And often that's just part of the role and they have to stand back and let stuff sort of go on its own on its own way or whatever but um i'm reminded of that simpsons episode where all the truckers have a little like auto trucking <laughs> like device thing <laughs> uh because i don't i think planes have autopilot oh maybe they do maybe that's what autopilot means you know what we gotta they talk do. to jimmy <laughs> <laughs> they do and they have a co-pilot and osha would be his co-pilot oh that's true yeah <laughs> I kind of enjoyed sucking in the chemtrails of this season. <laughs> there was something there. There was something there for me that hasn't been there in years past, and I think it just comes down to the women were exceptionally well cast. Mm. Everyone coming toward the end was either romantically viable or drastically interesting for how crook or how weird they were. Yeah, I agree. And those things for me made it a pretty interesting batchy season on the whole do you think holly was interesting big question that's the yes. big question of this episode isn't it is holly interesting i think holly's interesting but not for the reasons that not for the reasons that the tv wanted us to think that she's interesting so yeah i'm reading more into it and going what is the makeup of uh, who you are and and how you are i was having this conversation with my sister yesterday where i was like i don't know necessarily if Holly and I would be mates, um, but we, but I can sort of see her and Jimmy fitting really nicely into that world together. You know, no like doubt. into their. I don't know. It, it feels like they are, and I'm sure the show used some gaudy pilot metaphor for what I'm about to say. They're cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? Mm. They are. Um, uh, birds of the same wing. They have wings of the same plane. There you They're go. Great. Cigarette signs of the same seatbelt. They're flying in the same squadron. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Right. They're wingmates. They're wingmates. They're wingmates. Fantastic. And the wingmate aspect of it, not that interesting to me, but the uh, who you are and, and how you are, why you are. Um, very interesting to me because particularly the relationship with the family and Jimmy's family, there's so much to talk about in regards to Holly in this episode, but that for me was the key to unlocking it and going, okay, cool. So psychologists one and two are seeing certain things in this experience mm. that maybe the bachelor himself isn't seeing, but that unlock a little bit more of that world for me of like, okay, cool. So here's an outside perspective who's very close to the source. And how can I, as an armchair psychologist, uh, extrapolate and uh, make the most of this for my, um, for my own podcasting purposes. What a treat to have two psychologists. Oh my God. 
truly, Jimmy could have been anyone because they have the asset of two psychologists. They'll just go along with, you know, he could have been mute. <laughs> and here's the other point I'd like to make regarding Jimmy's blandness. The show's got to do a better job. On Twitter, Osha was talking about how Jimmy is the most emotionally intelligent bachelor that they've ever had. Hmm. Show me. Yeah. You know, like, I, and I'm sure we'll cover a lot of this off in the State of the Union, State of the Bachelor Nation address next mm. week. The Bachelor has to be more than a ceremonial role. And in this season, he was simply, you know, the queen that they roll out to shake the scepter at the street opening. Yeah, I don't want to have to take Osher Ginsburg's tweets word for it. You know, it should be evident from the actual TV show. Totally. They, they, the, the show has made the mistake of thinking that only drama is interesting um and it's flagrantly not true and Fucking it's a. had diminishing returns uh since the honey badger it's had diminishing oh. returns since the honey badger because they've engineered more and more dramatic moments which have paid off less and less because we because we've gotten wise you know mm. and actually mm. the moments of genuine connection moments of sweetness that we've especially seen on um the bachelorette have been the things that I think have had the biggest returns um, yeah. and they keep missing that. I do wonder what we're asking from our bachelors though, because like in order to make him more interesting, I suppose that inherently demands that he's more flawed. But then when a bachelor is flawed, like the honey badger was flawed or like Lockie was flawed when he said, I love you to two of the, the two yeah. last contestants, that's actually really damaging and, unenjoyable to watch so it's either he's flawed and interesting or he's unflawed and boring as hell i think think that's a i think that's a false equation that the show seeks to make Mm -hmm. that what we're what we look for is personality Mm. Uh, that's what we're asking Mm. for we're you know we're asking for hints of personality and what that entails is genuine uh you know we watch reality tv to find genuine people um, and experiences of genuine people. And unfortunately, showing the truth of who you are often means revealing your flaws. And then the show capitalizes on your flaws and turns them into drama. So that's why people who are smart would rather, you know, be the blandest man alive than reveal any hint of emotion mm. so that you don't show all your flaws. Um, you know, and one of the other, uh, this is slightly a side note, but one of my problems is that like when someone is like deliberately bland, you know, and plays the game like this, I assume that their floor is massive and right. it's like a Troy McClure Fox Fish issue, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I do think we have a recent example of an Australian bachelor who was not forthcoming with their flaws, was presented as sort of a flawless person uh, in the same way that I guess they often do, but who still was really interesting just because of them being a different type of bachelor. And I think that's Matt Agnew. I Mm. think Matt Mm. Agnew, like, you know, he, because he's a scientist, he's a big nerd. He's just a different type. He's not the kind of person who gets cast as the bachelor, like anywhere, you know, there has not really been a big nerd bachelor in the States and they've had fucking 300 of them. Um, and I think that like you're saying, you know, flaws in him did appear and you know they they made their way out naturally over the course of a season but it was because of the way that he was handling the situation and you know interacting with the women and that sort of thing so they should cast another big nerd and 
I don't know. It's not going to be me. I was I was going to put my hand up, but my my bacheloring days are behind me. I think. Let's take to the skies with our recap of The Bachelor Australia season nine, episode fifteen. I think um, the Australian version of the show always struggles a little bit with the top three episode. Um, typically speaking in the US version of the show, as well as in Canada and like South Africa and presumably some more, this is when we have the fantasy suites, um, which are the fabled overnight dates where contestants spend alone time without the cameras and, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, whatever happens. In the versions of The Bachelor from New Zealand and the United Kingdom, it's not part of the experience at all. Um, and here in Australia, a precedent seems to have been set by season one, um, where Tim Robards was offered the opportunity to take his final three to the quote love cabins, but declined the offer all three times. Patrick just made a really funny face. Why, why is that quintessentially Australian to take something <laughs> as like, sort of like, Ooh, American is like the love, the love suite and then turn it into the, what was it? The love cabins. Oh, yeah. The fantasy suite is <laughs> the love cabin. <laughs> You're going to take your Sheila to have a root in the love cabin. <laughs> Maybe that's why he turned it down. He was like, oh, that sounds shit. <laughs> um, so typically then we just have like three big sort of normal dates instead. Um, but this time around, they're pitching something new called discovery dates. Um, the difference being that the women get to plan the dates this time around. I think that's a pretty good idea. Like it's it's a nice idea to have this be different, have it be a different kind of thing. Um, did you feel that the execution of this concept was was carried out? I, I don't know if I really got a strong feeling of like uh, women planning it made it feel very different. Well, I remember Patrick and I watched it together and I said like, why? I know it's for television. I understand that. But like, they're like, I want to go paddleboarding. Or like, <laughs> I want to go do this like crazy thing. And it's like, oh my God, aren't you tired? <laughs> don't you just want to have like, why don't you girls be like, okay, so you took me abseiling down the side of a building. I'm going to take you for a picnic in the garden and we're going to sit down and have a bottle of wine and we're not going to do anything mm. weird. I would like <laughs> much, like, why don't they just Let's do that? Let's go to a cafe like, that I, I like. I, it didn't give me any indication of their personalities in any way. It just felt like the producers were like, okay, so for your choice of date, you have either this or this. Which one do you want? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, I wonder even if it was like, we have the following three dates. Uh, mm. We're going to talk to you first, Holly, because it seems like you're the front runner. You can pick your one out of these three or something and try and make it, you know, feel like you've suggested it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit unclear. But I do think the idea is good. Like, I like I like the idea that in future seasons they could take this and run with it, um, mm. whatever that might mean. But I guess, you know, there is a framework here of like, what a bachelor date can be, I guess, hypothetically, because it seems to have to include some kind of visually stimulating activity that they yeah. can do for a while and then finish doing so that they then get to have the sit down and that kind of thing. Like every date has that aspect. It's like I understand why Holly had to like drive the boat to the date or whatever and they had to do that. But I don't know anything more about Holly after that date. And you would think right. that if she planned the date, it would be like, something that was really personal to her like it just mm. i don't know anything about her yeah no <laughs> it, it should be welcome to my world well 
do you know what I always think about? I always think about that one day in um, Listen to Your Heart, the bachelor, mm-hmm. mu- the musical Bachelor spin-off, which I still think is amazing. Um, so good. Really great. Really, really great. good. And I always think about the day where they just went for a picnic just a little bit outside of the Listen to Your Heart Bachelor mansion. And they got to have a lovely chat, but then the interesting part of television was that every other couple was able to look out the window and be like, oh my God, there's a date happening. Mm. And then we got to see mm. them or peeping on them and they all got to have a chat. But it was actually just a nice, chill thing. And they got to find out lots about each other. Um, you know, more yeah. of that, less abseiling. There's another thing that caught my eye during this episode that I'm going to try not to talk about too much, but it was really distracting to me um, throughout the experience of watching it, which is that Jimmy is wearing this big clunky wristwatch and it's a digital watch and it's always on and you can see what time it is in every shot. (laughs) And I kept freeze framing it and spotting <laughs> what time it was well, i am an i am an unwell person uh, <laughs> it should be clear to our listeners by now but like there are a couple of moments where i'm like the time between these things is interesting to me so i'm not gonna you know we're not gonna go into it too much but just so you know at 7 50 a.m we see jimmy standing out over west head lookout at kurangai chase national park that's surveying the early. skyline that man's been up it since is rough four. Yeah, yeah, especially because they've got to get all the cameras there. They've got to get, you know, everything set up, the sound people, you know, the the DP or whatever the hell is, like, standing there with a clipboard. Awful. Don't make this man do this. But it does actually, it gets worse. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we begin discovery date number one. We see Holly Kingston in lime green at the helm of the Deluxe 8 Home Cruiser, a yacht which is new to the fleet at Hawkesbury Afloat. It's been fully renovated and is the most spacious of any home cruiser houseboat on the river. And it's available to rent for two days for about $2,100. It's worth noting as well, obviously, that this is, of course, another boat date. Uh, Chalk it up. I don't know. Are we keeping a tally? Maybe that's a good stat for me to check in with. Uh, At about 12.24pm, Holly and Jimmy cook chili and lime snapper and broccolini on the boat's barbecue and they chat about their families. Jimmy's father was away a lot, being a pilot, and Holly's parents separated, so they agree that a more stable and present family life is a a real goal for both of them. And then they plunge into the water and make out between the engines at the back of the boat. After a complete change of clothes, they head back up onto the boat where a little spread has been done up for them with beers and figs and dried apricots and flowers everywhere. And Holly says, oh, look at this, in a way that you probably wouldn't if you had planned the day. (laughs) Holly tells Jimmy she's feeling the pressure a bit because things are getting serious and she doesn't want to close up. She says there's so much weighing on today, and it's 3.21 p.m., and there's not much time left in this. And there's not much reason for me to hold back. I think I'm already plunged right in. So a big realization for me recently has been that you are the last thing that I think about when I go to bed. And the first thing that I think about when I wake up. So when that, when she said that, I turned to Eilish and I was like, that's pretty much to be expected because you're on The Bachelor. Um, (laughs) Like, like, what are you doing else that like, that would, you know, make you think of anything else? Like, just like go to bed in The Bachelor Mansion thinking, wow, I read a great (laughs) book today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right not to mention you don't have a phone <laughs> right yeah. or 
like you know the ability to see family or friends <laughs> right it sounds very romantic when it's really like the first thing I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about when I go to bed is coronavirus right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not always a good thing. But uh, yeah, she says, and I want you to know that I have fallen in love with you Big. for sure. Big move. The the like past tense implying that it happened at some point in the past is just like about as much of an I love you as you can give on this show, really. That's kind of the top level. I thought that Taken out of context, the first thing I think about when I wake up, blah, 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 that would have been more than enough at that point for her to say. Mm. I feel like that was a huge, like, she was like, all right, here's how I feel. And I was like, okay, cool. And then she's like, and I love you. And I was like, whoa, mm, yeah, <laughs> whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. yeah, it raises a few eyebrows too. Um, but I just think if I was on this TV show, whether I felt that way or not, or whether, you know, how, how, genuine these feelings might be your mileage may vary everyone's able to interpret this however they want you still don't want to play all your cards that early because like how do you escalate from there if you're making a tv show then you just have to say it again like the next time she sees him she says i really love (laughs) (laughs) this time i'm serious (laughs) she sees him she'll be like you can't make you can't choose me because i choose you i'm the bachelor now gaudy ring and he's like holy shit (laughs) well yeah i guess that's the only way you can actually raise the stakes is and we haven't seen this on 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 this show is the woman proposing or the woman you know offering the ring or whatever which is a boundary that will be broken i guarantee at some point or if she was just like jimmy i'm pregnant with your baby Um, so they kiss and his watch says it's 3.55 p.m. And I mentioned before <laughs> that the previous like sentence started at about 3.21 p.m. So genuinely, this is the thing that I was curious about because half an hour approximately happened there that we kind of just breezed past. And like, I'm not naive. I know that the show is edited and, you know, maybe they're setting up cameras and, you know, there's people adjusting and that kind of thing. But I am curious, like, even if that's the case and even if there's just technical stuff happening or whatever, the context of whatever happened between those two sentences of being like, you know, um, there's not much reason for me to hold back. I think I'm plunging right in. And then like the kiss that happens after that, whatever happened in that little space is relevant. It feels interesting. I'm very curious about it, you know, and is the big question, I guess, is does Jimmy tell Holly that she's about to win at this point. Because we have long speculated that that might be part of the process for some batches. There is no answer to this. I'm, I'm just raising it as a thought. It might have literally been the, the editors doing their work. Some, like, you know, she's just like, and I've fallen in love with you. And then this seagull comes down and like, <laughs> he's like, I'm the only one who can fly. Um, and you know, they're all running around and- I have to say, if that happened, that would be the main thing that happened this episode. It would be in all the teasers. The bird would get its own little Chiron saying its age and job. I was kind of thinking more that like maybe he whispered in her ear or something like really subtle. Cause obviously mm. he's not allowed to tell them anything, mm. but like, imagine if he just went, I'm going to pick you right into like he's into her ear. And then she was like, well, in that case, I love you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's seal this deal. 
it feels like knowing that Brooks stakes are heightened to the extent of there is some weird transubstantiation that has occurred whereby forces of the universe have caused my grandfather to die and for us to be together. All that Holly has left to combat that is I love you. You know what I mean? I thought you were so going to say true. time travel. Well, <laughs> or, you know, or Holly can go and kill one of her grandparents. That's true. That's <laughs> also mm-hmm. true. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. yeah. like, looks like both my grandparents died so we could be together. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we didn't see that happen on the show, but there's a lot of stuff they edit out of this thing. You know, we don't know. We'll never really know. Uh, Anyway, they kiss. There's a sweeping drone shot that circles the boat, and Jimmy says they both really needed a day like today. And speaking of a day that's pretty much like that one, hey, it's time for discovery date number two with Jay. It's not exactly the same. I'm drawing like a boat, you know, uh, analog here. Um, Jimmy analog or digital? This... I thought it was a digital. <laughs> oh! uh, Jimmy arrives to this date at 10.22 a.m. <laughs> to find... <laughs> I will do less of that, I promise. Uh, uh, no, I love it. Keep doing it, please. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's part of me that was hoping something really interesting would come up because I spotted it so many times. I'm like, no, this is basically the schedule I would have assumed they had. But anyway, um, Jay is waiting for Jimmy at a wharf in Lavender Active Wear. Before you know it, they're out on the water again. This time they're in kayaks instead of a luxury home cruiser. The rental of which would have set production back about $120 for a full day. I went on their website. Um, And look, I don't mean to invite a comparison here because, you know, it is a lovely day and this looks like a pretty fun way for Jimmy and Jay to spend it together. Um, The boats boats don't stack up, but also the evening portion of this date, I think is super impressive and and pretty nice. Mm. I also just want to throw in that Lavender Activewear would be my drag name. (laughs) Oh, it's good. It's good. (laughs) That's great. That's a great one. They arrive at a little candlelit concert setting where members of the Sydney Symphony Orchestra will play Edward Elgar's 1888 composition Salut d'Amour, arranged for string quartet by Donald Faser, not Donald Fagan from Steely Dan, um, <laughs> which is available as a free PDF on Donald Faser's website if you are planning to put together a recreation of this date. Wink, wink. As usual with The Bachelor, this performance, you know, they get a few bars in before it's interrupted by a voiceover of Jimmy saying, this right here, a private recital, a stunning woman by my side. This is the stuff of fairy tales and movies. Um, Eilish, you are a musical performer. Do you think that media depictions like this actively reinforce an environment where talking at a gig is acceptable? (laughs) Uh... Listen, they were sitting very respectfully during the actual in the moment of them playing. Mm. It was awkward to watch, but they were sitting quietly, which is nice. The one thing that I do have an issue with, though, is um, before the string quartet was revealed, Jay said, this is the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. And I was mm, like, holy shit. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. whole orchestra. And then it like, it like turned to like these four people sitting at a chair. And I was like, these poor people have not worked for like two years straight. Yeah. And their first gig back is to play for Jay <laughs> and Jimmy, the Salou, whatever it was. 
And then did you see next to it on the sheet music was the was it Advanced was Australia Fair? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, so they're playing this nice little French piece and then they're going to play the national anthem. I don't yeah. understand. Well straight, well, straight after Jimmy and Jay, a school assembly was coming in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I always find it really funny when they have like professional musicians on this show. It's always hysterical for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, but this one, this one was pretty straight up and down. Yeah, mm. and I mean, they join a long lineage of musicians such as Dua Lipa. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. do you remember they had fucking Dua Lipa on the show? Mm. Yep. And here's the yep. part where we name all the other musicians we can remember. Ed Sheeran who was on the Australian show? Match. Really? He, I'm pretty he sure. He was, yeah. yes. Oh my God. Ed, yeah, they had some, some big, big dicks. Ed Sheeran went for, like, had a, had a period where he was everywhere. Remember Game of Mm. Yeah. Oh, he was on Game of Thrones, true. Yeah. He'll take it. After the quartet leaves, Jimmy and Jay pop some sparkling, and The Bachelor gets right into the interrogation. He tells her that Rochelle mentioned that Jay dated someone famous in the past and says, I wonder, do I have to ask? And Jay quite clearly says, no. <laughs> I wonder why she said that to you. And Jimmy says, well, anyway, I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> He he says rather coldly, if she had concerns about you dating someone with a public profile, I guess the reality of this, yeah, I, I will have a public profile. And I just want to make sure it's not, it's not an issue in the future. We need to make sure that's all good. But you're not allowed to have one. Just want to yeah. make that clear to you, Jay. You're not allowed to have a public profile. I will be having one. One for me, none for you. Jay sort of lays it out. She says they have The Bachelor in New Zealand. He's The Bachelor in New Zealand. And we get that ITM of Jimmy saying, is Jay here for me or is she just here to bag herself another bachelor? That was heavily edited though. Mm. That whole conversation, she, we saw like, you know, the bachelor um, and she was like, yeah, he's the bachelor in New Zealand, but he was the bachelor in New Zealand after they dated. Right. Right. Like several like years, years after years they after. dated. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like my biggest thing that I don't like Jimmy for. He's been a great bachelor and like apart from all of this stuff. Like this makes me so mad because it's like, well, why can't she date the person that turned out to be the bachelor? Why is she being punished for mm, that? Yeah. Um in New Zealand where everyone knows everyone, so it's really not that big of a coincidence right. anyway. Right. Um I hated this. This is really unfair. Yeah. I, I touched on this at the start of the recap. According to the New York Times, there are local versions of The Bachelor in 37 different countries. So, like, I don't know that much about statistics, but surely at a point, it's kind of just inevitable that there's going to be some cross-pollination, especially if you're talking about Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. The population of New Zealand is smaller than the population of Sydney. They've had six seasons across Bachelor and Bachelorette. Like, let's be realistic. It's kind of a good thing for the franchise, right? If... Like, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe this is good for the franchise because they're showing that, like, you know, it's such a big deal to have been The Bachelor or Bachelorette or something. Not really sure what they're getting at here. But I think you're so right that it's like, it, it, it's that thing we've been talking about with, like, the most uncharitable possible way to interpret a situation where, like, you can opt to not get any more details so that you can have a bigger reaction, you know? Mm. like. You know, uh, it, it's also like, as you're saying, like, it's so edited. And if there was any part of this conversation that wasn't about these rumors, it has been removed. Um, mm. 
so we don't even there's not even like a debrief about how much we love this 1888 British composer's work or whatever <laughs> and you know but like <laughs> and it's also like really unfair because Jay doesn't have any control over her Instagram or socials or anything right now yeah. she can't set the record straight yeah. it's so unfair yeah it's it's rough I mean like when we when we think about it there's only very few narratives that we can actually make for mm-hmm. you know for these women um that you know that can sort of play out we can you know we can basically create like they're crazy they're fine or you know they're seeking attention you know and that's been mm. a relatively new thing for the franchise as it's sort of grown in popularity where we've got people who you know they can be like oh now we can actually instead of just like knowing that there's that component now we can penalize people for like coming mm. on and trying to shill their like you know their business in bali um yeah yeah and uh, and so like so actually having a new angle to that that's like finding gold you know like oh that's true bachelor stalker amazing because in the early days of the bachelor and we'll talk about this a bit more on on the new spin-off whatever we're calling it um they would occasionally try and be like because obviously social media is not a big part of the um the world it doesn't exist basically when the show starts and so they would try and be like oh you're going on tv like so that you can get a movie career or something or like you know so you know you just you're going on tv because you just want to be on tv or something but it never really held that much water anyway i guess it seems like they've cleared the air about this issue jimmy tells jay that he's like deciding to trust her on this in the same way that he did with the wanting to come second stuff where he's like okay i will take your word for it but like i'm fucking dragging my heels about it I don't know. It's just a bit yuck. It is a bit yuck. They have done, I will say, much to your point, Patrick, a really good job of creating complexity out of Jay. And given the options available to them of creating a storyline, this was a really interesting one. As heavily edited as it was and as unflatteringly as we might be reflecting upon Jimmy, in terms of creating, you know, a meaty storyline out of Jay, this one's this one's juicy. I agree. I guess I just wonder, like, what the motivation behind it is. Like, did Jace, like, piss somebody off? Was she hard to deal with on set? Like, is it that type of thing? I reckon Jay just has not this. I don't mean this in a derogatory way whatsoever. I think Jay just has a big mouth. I reckon she absolutely said, I would love to come second. But I reckon she was joking about Mm -hmm. it. I reckon she was fully joking with the hair and makeup lady who's like become her bestie over the time that she's been there. She was like, oh, yeah, haha, wouldn't it be good if I came second? That'd be so much better. And Tani heard it and was like, took it really seriously and was like, I can, Mm. you know, whatever. Mm. Um, I reckon she has just kind of forgotten every now and again that this is a competition, that she's on television and she's just said a few things that she shouldn't have said that's all and do you know what else this makes for great fodder for the bachelorette new zealand wherein i am imagining a scenario that jay becomes the bachelorette in new zealand <laughs> she's not good enough for australia you know <laughs> like so good. the fucking australian bachelor said that she was too hungry for thirst likes that we would that you, do you know what i mean like there's yeah, yeah. that's a great pitch i want that All right, let's talk about date number three. This is Brooke. 
who has arranged for Jimmy to meet her at the Guide Dogs Australia Center in Glossodia, about an hour and a half drive from Westhead Lookout, uh, in order to show Jimmy a bit more directly what her job as an occupational therapist is like. And as soon as they arrive, they meet Reagan, a very cute little lab who served as the 40th president of the United States from 1981 <laughs> to 1989. Good. A highly influential voice of modern conservatism. And as they're playing with the dog together, we hear Brooke in and in the moment saying, Jimmy is so good at this and it's really sexy. I would <laughs> totally have a baby with him. <laughs> um, I just want to say that... I made a joke when we were watching this to Patrick, and I don't think it was fully appreciated because Patrick hasn't watched the full season. Oh, please. But I said, Brooke, you either get to be the baby or have a baby. You can't be both. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. <laughs> it is true. Good. It is true. Uh, at 4.46 p.m., it's time to give Reagan a bath. So they fill the tub with melted lint chocolate, no, I'm kidding. Reagan's not a chocolate lab. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, oh. Thank you. Uh, they briefly discuss their plans to have kids in about five years. I don't know. I mean, look, this is cute as hell. We love a puppy date. The The puppy was nice. It's Honestly, whenever this happens and I feel like this is a failing on my part, I find it kind of hard to pay attention to what is happening on screen except the puppy. That. Um, it was so good. That's my biggest takeaway. Can I just say, mm. aside from the puppy, when they were washing, when they were washing the puppy, not aside from the puppy, but when they were washing the puppy, she said, "You want to have kids, right?" Or something along those lines. And does mm. that not mm. seem like something that should have been discussed before, considering how much like discussion there has been about Jay wanting or not wanting kids? Mm -hmm. Like, why haven't Brooke and Jimmy talked about this yet? true if this is the first time that's coming up it seemed like it was to me i mean it could just partially be because brooke has been out of the competition for true. a few weeks she's she's doing some catching up she uh, you know and i have a feeling that that explains a lot of things about the way brooke has been portrayed and and the way brooke is behaving and the way we're seeing her behavior is that she is just cramming in a lot of the very insane shit that they have to do on this show into a much shorter time period mm. Mm. I took a brief moment here to look back on the history of the show uh, with regards to dog related incidents, because I didn't realize, but there, there's a, there's a good lineage there. We've, of course, we've got the dog park saga. Mm -hmm. We have the dog cunt saga. Mm -hmm. um, we had the Aussie dog guy mm -hmm. who held the bachelorette dog show. We had Jamie Doran enter while holding a puppy. Um, and we had Georgia Love single date, which was very similar to this one with Cam Cranley, where they got climbed all over by like 15 Dalmatians. It was very sweet. <laughs> Patrick. Cam Cranley. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you're enjoying this. <laughs> um, I think this date falls pretty solidly in the middle of that pack. There's not that much to it. Um, I feel like it's, not exactly top dog, but it's not the runt of the litter either. I think uh, I think it's very interesting how they, like both Brooke and Jimmy and the show, immediately and intuitively make the link between looking after a puppy 
and having a child together. Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's quite it's quite an interesting shorthand that I think is reflected in real life, especially by uh straight couples, um, mm. that I find slightly concerning as like as a dog lover and child hater. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not one to one. You you don't behave around a dog the same way you behave around a child. If you treated a child like a dog, you'd be put on trial. Uh, exactly. You know, like I think that um I think that each has its own unique challenge and I think the only benefit to having a like to having a puppy rather than a child is that if you leave a baby outside, you will be shot by the police. Mm. But it's okay for a puppy anyway. Can we also have a quick moratorium on bandanas or on dogs or babies? I don't think either of those, just as a society, I think we're done with that. I feel like we can move past it. I think I, think I can still handle it on dogs, but on babies, it's really making them look like they are like a bad boy. Child. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like the, re- the real stinker of the bunch. Um, and I, <laughs> I think that puts a lot of pressure on the baby. Are we getting a podcast puppy? Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm drawing from this? <laughs> you and me? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Okay. It'd be great content. Great audio. Great content. We can send it around to everyone in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group, like in kindergarten. Everyone gets a turn of hosting the podcast puppy. <laughs> Maybe we should start with like an egg, and they have to hold onto the egg and make sure the egg doesn't break. Great. Incubate it. Yeah, a dog egg. <laughs> Brooke and Jimmy retire to a little couch by a pool in some secluded area somewhere. It's not very clear, so I'm assuming this is like the pool where they teach the dogs to swim. Um, they pour some champagne and Brooke winks at him and they kiss. This is a big, big moment, this wink. I mean, Brooke has got huge eyes, so this just like fills the whole screen. It was very like, um, remember when she was like, you got to give me a big fat it's weird that you left that out of your article patrick (laughs) when we meet in person (laughs) well as the person with the baby voice in the relationship Uh, then Jimmy brings up the chat that he had with Brooke's brother, Kristen, about his roster. Brooke takes a big sip of wine and says, oh, God, this is so hard to hear. And then instead of her answering him, we kind of just get her talking in ITM for like a solid minute saying, I will struggle with the logistics of our situation. I'm worried that he'll start doubting our connection. And, you know, he may think maybe this will be too hard for Brooke and maybe it's just easier if I let her go. I think I'm worried about where I stand with Jimmy. And so naturally we get worried about where Brooke stands with Jimmy. I really love her brother. Her brother was so mm. great. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he was so honest was just really cool. I, yeah, I agree. I only want like when it, cause hometowns suck, by the way, I, mm. like, I'm, yeah. I'm done with hometowns. I'm like, I, I like officially am sending letters to the bachelor franchise being like, if you want to keep having my recaps, which you hate, Got to get rid of hometown. <laughs> I do think, I truly think, and this is a psycho belief that I have had, you know, for many years due to doing this. I think that hometowns are basically still there to torture people who are trying to recap the show <laughs> because you get introduced to like 20 people who you will never mention again, but you have to get their names right. It is fucked it up. It is fucked up. 
Um, but I think the only, like, I think we should have a whole episode where any any queer person that the contestants know get time to, like, just speak and, uh, and <laughs> just make some judgment calls and really get to the bottom mm. of it. Because every single time it's ever happened, and I, look, I don't have the stats on me, but every single time it's happened, it's led to so much more interesting stuff than, like, an yeah. awkward dad being on TV the first time being like, oh, yeah, look, you got to treat my daughter. Do you, yeah. do you think that you'll be around much? <laughs> I, I noticed there's still three other women. Uh, how, how are you going to, uh, do you think she's going to be the one that you, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, I think someone needs to walk in, maybe Osha, maybe a queer version of Osha, open the library and, uh, you know, they need to, they need to like have a good solid read. <laughs> Okay, we need to know who is the queer version of Osha. Uh, is it Joel Creasy? Maybe it is Joel Creasy. It might be. That's you know. I feel like that Joel has the um the requisites. Yeah. They, I mean, in the US, they've replaced uh Chris Harrison with a slightly more effeminate, weaselly version of Chris Harrison in David Spade. Um, sure. This is he was one of several guest hosts on Bachelor oh. in Paradise this season. You're being a little ingenuous. I mean, the violence, the violence you just did to me by reminding me that David Spade exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we watched the first two Household Transylvania movies again the other night. Those movies rule. They're so good. The third one's even better. We're getting to it soon. I'm mm. sorry. So excited. <laughs> As a big spade head. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, let's call a spade a spade. He's a great voice actor. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, after the ad break, Brooke says, in relationships, I haven't had quality of time. And that's my favorite love language is being there with my partner. And I miss that closeness with someone. This is just a hard situation that we've been trying to get our heads around from the beginning. It's just hard. And Jimmy says, the ideal relationship for me is that you have that quality of time when you're together. And when I'm home, you're making sure you're doing everything you can with each other. It can actually be a great setup and, and you can have a great relationship out of it. Do you know what my favorite love language is? Go on. Sexy tales of paleontology available now at all good retailers. Hey. <laughs> yes, we live for the plugging. <laughs> available in one language so far? Uh, translated for me, <laughs> hot rocks. So there's two at least. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you should you should do a localized version. <laughs> I think I think that this um this whole confected issue around like Jimmy being a flight attendant. Uh, no, sorry, he's not a flight attendant. He's a pilot. <laughs> uh, I love the idea that we had someone in this podcast who wasn't across the fact that Jimmy's a pilot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. he's a pilot? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against you. I just think it's incredible. They've said it so many times. <laughs> I don't know what happened in my brain just then, but um, oh, no. like, but the fact that like, you know, he flies, so he doesn't do a nine to five job. The fact that this has been turned into a, like, a point of issue with Brooke just shows how basic she is and how hungry for literally anything revolving around a story and a narrative for, you know, for this show that the show actually is. But I think it's so interesting because like, 
I mean, it, like, is this a thing that people worry about? Like, genuinely, I, I, I'm asking this question. Yes, I think it is. Hmm. I agree I with you. I think it totally is. Yeah, look, I think there are situations where shift work, um, particularly entering into new relationships, probably can cause some difficulty. You know, like, uh, remember I used to work a... Uh, a producer job for the radio that was two till nine and I wasn't in a relationship at that time but I remember thinking like if I wanted to go out to dinner or have a beer or whatever that's not on the cards for me yeah I have a job where um like I work basically nine to five throughout the week but on the weekends I spend almost the entire weekend preparing <laughs> notes for my bachelor podcast <laughs> And, you know, my partner is great about it, but I'm not going to lie. There are moments where, you know, we'd rather be doing something else or, you know, yeah. we want to spend some time together. And there's there's a little tension there. It's lucky that Evie's love language is notes for your Bachelor podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's very sweet that she listens to the podcast and is like, ah, it was worth it. You know, I also think that we have to go back to Christian, her brother, mm. who's like, yeah, this is an issue for Brooke, mm. which if if none of her family had raised that as an issue for her, then I would be like, oh, this is probably a manufactured thing. Maybe she's just a little bit worried about it and not mm. it's not that big of a deal. But because her family were like, no, she needs to have her family around. She loves to like be with people a lot of the time. Like, right. I think this is going to be an issue for her. That makes me think that, okay, genuinely, I think this could be something that is not going to work for them. Yeah. And the coffee in Sydney is no good. That's so true. That's so true. Sorry, everyone, but it's true. And shout out to everyone's messy families this season as well, except for Holly's, for actually getting involved and getting their hands dirty in the drama. Like Jimmy's mm. family especially, but Brooke's family, there's something that came out where the brother was like, here's a big problem. And then Jay's family as well, Rochelle, the friend, I guess, was like, here's a big problem, you know? Yeah, it's one of those totally. things that, like, in a typical Bachelor season, we kind of get the uh, Bachelor put up against the guard dog dad in, mm -hmm. uh, what do you call that, opposition. Whereas mm. this time it was almost like the families volunteering chaos upon their <laughs> own families. And yeah. that, I mm. think, fucking rules and has made for really compelling television. And I think the reason that happened is because uh, it aired during Virgo season and no one mm. understands how to like pick apart someone's faults better than the Virgo. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you for the, uh, the following six reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Brooke tells him, it scares me to think that he thinks that I won't cope, but I'm driving my own life. I think we just really need to trust what we have together. And Jimmy nods in agreement, sort of tacitly agreeing that she should trust him and, you know, that it's good that he brought her back onto the show and all this stuff. It's a weird one because she has said before that she was worried about it. Yeah. So it's mm. like, I don't know, it feels like a very incomplete conversation there. Yeah, it's it's a it, there's a shift that happens here that I found quite surprising where it felt a bit like they were both talking each other out of it and then suddenly they were really talking each other into it. Um Brooke says, "It's really special to me what we have. I'm falling for you now and fuck logistics at this point in time. I want to work on the connection and focus purely on that." And they kiss and they strip down to their bathers and they get into the dog poo. Oh, dog pool. Sorry, that's a typo. Uh, 
Brooke whispers, <laughs> here I am in your arms. I'm really glad I came back. And they make out. And then in subtitles, we see her saying, I honestly do feel like we're boyfriend and girlfriend right now. To which Jimmy says, it is nice. <laughs> I love the lengths that they have to go to to not say anything sometimes. Um, Brooke says, I'm falling harder for you now more than ever. And it's so scary, but I love the thrill of it. And I want to see where it goes. Jimmy says, I do have strong feelings for you. And I want you to know that it's real for me too. And then Brooke in a wet head ITM says, I'm falling for him so hard and saying, I love you is definitely on the tip of my tongue. Eilish and Patrick, the concern on both of your faces <laughs> yeah. amplifying yeah. throughout that passage. <laughs> I think that's that a really good, um, some really good merch for you guys would be if you took all of the like generic things that the bachelor <laughs> era of dating and put it on mm. cards um, for like Valentine's Day, you would make a oh. killing, you know, just like, like, so true. I'm feeling things too. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I often have strong thoughts towards and about you. <laughs> so when Patrick and I were watching this scene in the pool, um, I kind of have been coercing Patrick to watch The Bachelor this season with me, even though I know he's trying to take a break from it. Mm. Um, mm. And Patrick was on his phone while this was happening. And I was like, you got to watch, you got to watch it, like poking him. <laughs> yeah. And he, I think we both like turned to it, like back to it. And Patrick said, I'm not enjoying this. And I said, neither am I. <laughs> 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 it was just so like, I felt like I was watching like, the start of like a porn or something like it was really mm. um it was it was really i i didn't like watching it it was too weird like i i would rather have her just said i am falling in love with you and that scene have been like 15 seconds long mm. but it just went on and on and mm. on and she mm. kept saying these weird things and it was just awful <laughs> Eilish, I totally agree. And I almost feel like I've buried the lead here in the sense that like, I feel like these two episodes were like capital G, capital T, good television, mm. but I found them unbearable. Yeah, like, totally I feel unbearable. so complicit in something awful and wrong Yeah, um, in a way that uh, I guess I should feel every week about this uh, deeply <laughs> haunted program. But like, I, I really got some bad vibes out of a lot of what we watched for quite a while on the TV today. I mean, over the last couple of days. Hmm. Um, we go to the rose ceremony. Brooke gets the first rose, then Holly. I was really shocked, actually, the first time I watched it. Um, but on rewatch, I do think the die is cast in the edit a lot more clearly than I had initially thought. Um, I I did think that Jay was going to pull through and and that this conversation with Brooke had gone worse, but... Um, you know, that's that's uh, clearly not what happened. The thing is that Jimmy's into it. The, yeah. Like, this yeah. is what I can't extricate, is that Brooke's saying all of this weird shit and Jimmy is just like, keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, yeah. so here for this woman. Firstly saying, I am the driver of my own life in that voice. And like, then getting naked and being like, I'm going to show you my sexy side now. And like, <laughs> I just... I. We've avoided doing the voice stuff 
all all season. I I, I do want to steer away from it if possible, just because like it's you know, it's been it's been said, but. <laughs> I think there is, like, I don't want to go into it because I do think that it kind of steers towards, like, a misogynistic kind of thing. Mm. But, yeah, there is something about the voice that does make me think within the realms of, like, infantilization, which is really sad Mm -hmm. and weird and uncomfortable and particularly paired with, like, her um, projected issues with uh independence and things like that it's mm. it's really upsetting actually yeah. mm. like genuinely and i think that's why this scene was so difficult to watch and, and i think yeah. that's really the like you know it would be a very like cheap uh you know i've noticed something slightly funny gag you know about her voice if it was just like oh yeah your voice is slightly different to others and sounds akin to a baby's it's like okay what's what's the gag there there's not really mm. But when, mm. but when the whole point is, as you said, like, you know, she has issues around independence and like, you know, like that's been the major thing pointed out to her and she speaks like a baby. It's just like, oh, I see. This is, this is genuinely concerning and also mm. slightly funny. It's the complexity of the character and it's that they're falling in love, right? That she is being validated every step of the way by mm. Jimmy. And so when it comes to, yeah, you, as you say, the voice in isolation, probably not something, but the voice in combination with all of this stuff makes it so much more to take in. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just want to give Brooke a lot of credit, particularly in these episodes, um, for despite talking a lot about how she isn't independent, I think she makes some really good steps or important steps in communicating this stuff Mm. and in you know having self-awareness and understanding the position that she's in um because i do feel like uh the the problem isn't necessarily that brooke is there but that brooke has been kept there and that brooke has been brought back Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing like she is doing what she can in this situation um that kind of thing I do think like there has been a duty of care denied to her too, because it's like, she's clearly grieving. She's clearly not without the grieving. I think she's not really ready for this whole thing. If her family are saying that she's like got problems with independence. Like I just don't, I just don't see why this was a good idea for her to do regardless Mm. of her grandparents, you know? Um, but anyway, it's Jay who went home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Jay hugs the other women goodbye. And then Brooke whispers to Holly. Uh, no, sorry. Then Holly whispers to Brooke. It's just you and me, baby. Um, don't call Brooke a baby, please. Uh, Jimmy walks Jay out and tells her this sucks. And she says, mm-hmm. I hope you find what you're looking for. And he says, thanks, Jay. Truly, <laughs> truly giving her absolutely zero. Um, they hug and he says, look after yourself. And she gets in the limo and I'm just like, come on, man. And we see a shot of, of Jimmy with a tear in his eye, but I'm just like, look, you know, this is probably a hard thing for him to do, but also like, where's the aftercare? Like you need to, you need to reach out to this person and connect with them on a human level. You cannot just make them go away. Um, I hope something happened here that got cut out, but, um, it doesn't look like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I know that I'm, you know, a little bit of a tourist in this season, um, but I don't 
feel that he had a particularly strong connection to anyone, which is why he vacillated between the top three sort of equally um, mm. and why also he was very like unemotional in either like sending them home or, you know, or accepting them. It, you know, yeah. it was all fairly still like, who am I choosing to have a first date with vibe rather than who am I choosing to be with for the rest of my life? Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. There's this quote that I think is attributed to, I think it's from uh, Maddie, Jay and Laura, who are obviously one of the more successful couples from this franchise, who I think quite rightly pointed out that, you know, when you win The Bachelor, when you end up as the winning couple of the show, that is the start of the relationship and everything up until that point has been like plot or whatever, mm, you know? Mm. And I think that is a really healthy and good way to frame it. But also I think that changes the, the tone, like that has set the, the tone of this season in much the same way as like the all three fuck dates being turned down on season one has like cast the die for that never happening again in the sense that like, you look at the American series and it's like almost expected that there will be an actual wedding proposal, marriage proposal at the end. The stakes are a lot higher in that sense. And, you know, it's, I guess it makes the show more believable in, in a lot of ways that like, that's where the relationship starts and um, that kind of thing. But also it mutes everything a little bit. It, it softens it, which, you know, we could be having something I, I guess maybe part of the reason that the show is not rating that well is that there are other shows out there at the moment that are so cranked up to 11 where like people are dating each other while they're naked or they're, you know, going onto a show where um, they're all of their exes are there or whatever, you know, like every the, the reality TV dating landscape has changed a lot. I wrote about this with um, Sexy Beasts, you know, and I actually yeah. wrote like, um, almost two paragraphs about how The Bachelor is falling behind because it's sitting in a position where it is not real enough or not weird enough. And it's, mm, sitting, yeah. it's sitting in this awkward middle ground where it's not committing to either. It needs to up the absurdity. Like Sexy Beasts is the most absurd show. They have, <laughs> it's crazy. Like not only is there the, the cosmetic, the literal cosmetic weirdness of them all wearing masks, but the connections between these people are so insanely stupid and everyone knows yeah. it. They're just like, ah, you're pretty. Yeah. Whoa, let's go. You know, and then like, like none of them have like even follow each other on Instagram anymore. It means so little, you mm, know, right. or we've got like connections which are happening on like on a more genuine level where, you know, we're seeing people, um, we're seeing these shows where like they're like, the twist is literally just that like it's not as highly formulated anymore and the bachelor i think needs to needs to update itself um to to keep up now that we are no longer talking about the previous episode let's talk about the following episode which is called the bachelor uh, shit <laughs> fuck <laughs> The Bachelor Australia Season 9, Episode 16. We open on scenic location shots of orange soil and native bush before the welcoming presence of Osher Ginsberg is revealed. And as a drone camera circles him, revealing the iconic and sacred half a billion year old sandstone rock formation known as Uluru. 
Ginsburg says, welcome to the Northern Territory. As our bachelor, Jimmy, prepares to make the final steps on his journey to find love, we acknowledge the traditional owners of this awe-inspiring country. I found this to be a bit of a strange addition to the show. Not because it was unwelcome, but because it felt like, I don't know, just like a little bit of a misfire. Um, There is obviously no set protocol or wording for an acknowledgement of country, but it did feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity to recognize the traditional name of the land or, you know, perhaps go into some sort of more detail. I guess maybe it's just brevity, but also I, I just think it's a bit funny that they do it here, but they have never done it anywhere else on any other occasion in the show's history. Like they film on stolen land every single day, but it's only important now. I just want to say I totally agree with everything that you're saying there. My only thing is it there's no way it could have been for brevity. This show is the most bloated <laughs> thing that has ever existed. They cannot argue brevity. Like that's not an argument that they get to have. It's an interesting it's an interesting sort of thing because I I recently had like uh, a conversation around whether or not they're going to be doing much in the way to sort of like prep cultural sensitivity around um, Brooks' uh, um, season uh, of The Bachelorette next, um, because because mm. uh, I wrote about um, you know our first queer Bachelorette and you know sort of talked about all of all of that and really and just sort of put in a note of like is the show ready for you know, right. like actually doing this correctly and doing this in a way that's sensitive to not only the community as a whole and its queer viewers, but also looking after the contestants, you know, like they're, mm. they're opening themselves up to, you know, Australia's long history of homophobia, you know, um, right. and are, right. they, are they going to do anything to actually like, you know, in how they prep the show, are they going to turn it into points of drama and contention, you know, or are they mm. going to treat it, you know, well? And then very rightly, someone, um, uh, an Indigenous writer uh, responded to me and was like, girl, think about, like, think about Brooks, you know, Brooke also being mm. the first First Nations um, contestant. Like, you know, we've got all those issues with, um, with that happening as well. And I was like, mm. "You're absolutely right. I didn't, I didn't talk about it because I am not qualified to." Um, but it makes, but like, yeah, watching that intro um, made me, and and you know, and sort of like, I like, I'm not sure if um, if this is a if this is something that like the community wants as well. But I was like, oh, you know, wouldn't it have been great if someone from that mm. community, um, you know, did a welcome to country, you know, rather mm. than having Osha. Uh, you know, throw in an acknowledgement, you know, and yeah. it makes me worry a little bit, but, you know, I'm not going to like <laughs> prophesize doom and gloom for the, <laughs> for the next one. Yeah. But I mean, that's a big question that's hanging over all of us with, with regards to the, the very big things that the show is trying to deal with in order to be more progressive. I mean, you know, I, I could, I could argue that maybe their heart is in the right place pretty easily, but. It's frustrating because. As someone who, I mean, when we did gigs, which was now at two years ago at this point, in before every set, I would do an acknowledgement of country of like where I was playing. 
and you name the people's land, the traditional owners of the land. You don't yeah. just say we acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. You actually name them and like pay respect mm-hmm. to them personally. Right. And I think like I totally agree their heart was in the right place with adding this one, but it's frustrating that the least they can possibly do, they like didn't do it right. Mm. You know? And like, you know, for a lot of like white Australians who watch this show, like depending on what their backgrounds are or whatever, they may not hear a lot of like, you know, they may not be exposed to the idea of an acknowledgement of country or a welcome to country Mm. that often. People live pretty insulated lives, particularly in this day and age. And, you know, every time you do something like this, this is what representation is about, right? It is an opportunity to present things in the best way or in the right way or in a way that will helpfully you know improve the lives of the people who see it Mm. that's kind of it right good start let's do more yeah 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 and i also okay i want to spotlight this because i think there are some really nice production elements about this episode that don't really get the spotlight like this moment does but like both of the women in uh, are wearing scarves who are designed which are designed by the very talented indigenous australian fashion designer and artist lynn al young um, and their final outfits in the most iconic moment that is seen by most people who watch this show at all incorporate those elements in a way that is really stylish and really beautiful. And I think there's also like a noticeable focus on native flowers and native plants and native wildlife and that kind of thing. As much as those are kind of surface elements, um, I, I, I do think like there, there is, it's, it's, it's an argument that their heart is in the right place. Mm. Um, but, you know. It, it just this felt a tiny bit clunky i guess in in comparison and and you know maybe we can hope that it, this is a small step that will lead to bigger ones in the future yeah and we should also yep. note that uh on 10 play a lot of these uh episodes are being accompanied by ads celebrating natsia the national aboriginal and torres strait islander art awards is a fantastic virtual gallery that you can go on that is sponsored by Telstra, uh, but yeah, like there's beautiful indigenous uh, and and First Nations people's art that uh, you can uh, view and experience and take in should you wish to at mm. www.natsia.com.au. There you go. Gorgeous. Yeah, and I think yeah, it it like it presents an opportunity, and I want to see them take that opportunity and do good things with it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, cue the slow mo shirtless jogging and recap of the story so far. Um, I won't go into too much detail because it is all the stuff that we've been talking about. We see glamour shots of Brooke cuddling a baby Joey and Holly cuddling a baby Chandler. Uh, cut to Jimmy's family who are sitting outside a property drinking mimosas. We've got Jimmy's mom, Susan, dad, Noel, sister, Tani, and cousin, Melissa, all of whom we've already discussed at one point or another. Um, Dad is the only one who hasn't met most of the women from the series, which is kind of an interesting twist for this episode. Like normally we are kind of meeting the parents for the first time here. They've been sprinkled throughout the whole season. Um, And then Jimmy breaks it to him that his final two are Brooke and Holly. And in spite of all of the conversations that we have had on this season about how Holly won't be able to resolve conflict or whatever, they don't seem to react too much at this point. Um, Jimmy says, Brooke has said that she can see herself falling for me. And then Holly told me that she loves me. And I really liked seeing him 
preload them with the like relevant bachelor discussion points at this at this stage where he's like you know oh by the way brooks independence has also been called into question <laughs> um so that's gonna come up and you should you know it's like this stuff we we assume these conversations are happening off camera all the time but i like just seeing jimmy say like okay um so one of them said like i can see myself falling in love with you and the other one said i love you mm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is, this is the fucking parents stuff. I'm curious actually, cause I don't care too much about these people. Um, if it's not prying too much though, in a, in a way of bringing you guys into the conversation, can you, do you mind telling me about how your family came to know about your relationship? Cause I think the, you know, the origins of your, uh, you know, dating online is very interesting and very sweet, but like how, how did that like <laughs> give me the juicy goss? Um, so because I lived at home all like through last year, mm. my bedroom is like above my parents' bedroom, right? So when I would stay on Zoom with Patrick until like 3 a.m., they would be able to hear me talking to him. Mm. And obviously it sounds like I'm talking to myself. So they were just kind of checking in to make sure I wasn't going absolutely insane <laughs> in lockdown. And they were like, who are you talking to last night? And I'll be like, oh, I was talking to my friend Patrick. And then that happened, like that kept going for months and months and months. And like my parents and I have a pretty open dialogue. Mm. So they mm. knew what was going on. Um, but I remember like before we met in person for the real time, for the first time, um, mum asked me like are you nervous like that was kind of the most mm. complex conversation that we ever really had about it because they were like oh she's a smart girl I'm sure she's not gonna go date a catfish or something mm. Mm. um and I just remember being like yeah I'm like dying but then it all worked out so yeah it yeah. really wasn't it wasn't super juicy I don't think unfortunately no, that's, I mean, that's fine. I guess it's an interesting point of comparison in the sense that like no relationship plays out like the ones that we see on this show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One of the interesting things is like, I was just sort of thinking like, like I'm an adult man, you know, who has a very good, like I have a very good relationship with my parents, but like, I think just at one point, I think, but like very shortly after, like very shortly after we were, we started like officially dating on Zoom. Mm. Like I talked to my mum all the time on the phone. Um, and I was just like, oh, so I went on a date with someone on Zoom, you know, like, yeah. you know, like it was literally, it was literally that, but like, there's no, like, there's none of this kind of like parent gatekeeping sort of situation that, that the bachelor kind of like plays out. Like if my parents, for some reason, they'd never done this before ever, were like, you know, we're like, oh, we've got a bad feeling about this. I'd be like, mind your own business, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It does make me wish that that was, that was an option in The Bachelor of just being like, look, mom, dad, your opinions are important to me, I guess, or whatever, but also like fucking step off. Because that is sort of the underlying message of a lot of these where it's like, you know, after the conversation with the parents, it boils down to like, oh, you know, we, we distill these women to one of two attributes, which is like being safe or being a risky choice or whatever. And like, it's, it's, there's no clear, I don't think there is a clear, like, it is always the safe one or it is always the risky one. It's inherently the, risky. The mm, way that you're right. meeting these people is an inherent risk. There's no safe choice here. Yeah. But you never hear The Bachelor just be like, listen, I'm (laughs) going to do what I fucking want to do. Like, you know. 
Brooke is up first to meet the family. She ITMs that it's so important to make a good impression because she's really falling for Jimmy and also because she's had issues in past relationships being accepted into their families. So Noel asks how Brooke is doing and she says it's so surreal. And then for some reason he asks, would you do this again? To which Jimmy (laughs) says, hopefully not, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like... What does he mean? Like, if you if it doesn't work out, will you go on Bachelor in Paradise or like, what's the vibe? I think he meant if you had a chance to start over, would yeah. you still have pursued this path? Oh, that makes sense. That <laughs> genuinely didn't occur to me though. It's just like, I guess like, <laughs> he worded it weird. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, the least charitable interpretation of what he said. How <laughs> we're all guilty. Uh, Susan takes Brooke aside to drill down on the tension around his work roster. Uh, She says, I've never dated anyone with shift work, especially a pilot. It does worry me because I can be a little bit clingy at times. It has been an issue in the past with ex-partners. We smothered each other and it was just not very healthy at all. Uh, She says, I'm a very spontaneous person and I really want to give this a go because I'm falling in love with him. I'm very spiritual when it comes to these sorts of things, and I just feel like it's meant to be. And, uh, yeah, Um, it's time for Brooke to leave at this point, and Susan relays her findings back to the group, saying, quote, she's very clingy and she's very intense. (laughs) I did say to her that smothering won't work with James. Being too clingy would just push him away. This is brutal. Smothering won't work. Who would have known? Mm. <laughs> That's my number one strategy. Fuck, this was so hard to watch. This is so because, rough. Like, Susan was just not having a bar of anything that Brooke was about. And, like, Brooke, to her credit, was just her complete and utter self. Yeah. Had nothing to offer other than here is who I am, mm. which is cool. It's just that Susan, by the t- like, by the time that Brooke got to the part about how she's very spiritual about all of this, you could just feel her sinking lower and lower and lower. And by the time that she got to the spirituality, Susan was like, you will not be the woman who was chosen. Yeah. Yeah. I love Jimmy's mom. I think she's uh, such a yeah, badass. Totally. Yeah. She's really, she rules. she's really scary. It's awesome. And so does his sister. They're yeah. both this, like both the same way. I just like clinically or clinical psychologist, I guess, but <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> just being able to be like, no, sorry, this will not be working out. It's mm. so good. It's so good to have Sykes in the family on this show. It's mm. like delightful. Mm. Yeah. Um, Holly's up next, and Jimmy wants to make it clear that she and her and his family got off on the wrong foot. He tells the group, "I think Holly was definitely thrown under the bus when you guys met her. You were given a little bit of a bum steer. We worked through that, and I think she handled it really well." I think he's trying to be like, listen, we actually resolutioned that conflict like super well, which is like one of, <laughs> one of her big attributes is resolving conflict and stuff. But also the gaslighting here being like, I actually think Holly handled that situation really well <laughs> when he wasn't even there. He wasn't like when this happened, it was literally Jimmy's sister and Jimmy was off having a fucking date with Steph. Right. Yeah. He's like, based on what I've heard from Holly, it sounds like Holly aced this thing. <laughs> But I mean, like, I don't want to get into like that whole thing that happened with Holly, but like the worst thing she did was kind of get up from the table and have a moment. 
right? Yeah. 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 I mean, is that so bad? Is that the worst conflict resolution you've ever seen as a psychologist? I feel like Probably it's not. not. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I've been advised to do that on some occasions by a psychologist. Yeah. Like yeah. if you can't handle the situation, like you can remove yourself from it for a moment or whatever, right? I suppose yeah. the more telling stuff for me was what Tani was saying um, when it came to Holly not engaging, simply not true. engaging with some of the other women in the house. That's that for true. me was yeah. like, oh shit, okay, cool. So you've been in here for a month and you have not um, even so much as really had a conversation with Tatum, yep. who mm. is a woman that was on this show. Mm. Very true. Of course, we all remember Tatum. Patrick, <laughs> I can tell you, you love Tatum. Oh, I, I said, Tatum, that's a one to remember. <laughs> 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 thought maybe you would say Tatum. I hardly know him. Tatum, in Magic Mike. Noel takes Holly away, and Holly says she loves how protective they are of him. I love that. That's a great bit of spin. She's like, "Yeah, you guys are all giving me shit constantly for how, you know, and it's good. I think it's good. Mm. Oh, good." <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, he asks a question to which there is essentially no answer. He says, you're obviously a powerful, intelligent, successful woman. How do you think you're going to handle fitting into a family with three other powerful, intelligent, successful women? And I don't know what you're supposed to say to that. Um, Holly tells a story about her parents splitting up. Um, her mom became a housewife as soon as they got together. But as soon as they split up, she lost a lot of her financial and emotional stability. And this is, in my opinion, a pretty effective deployment of a tragedy reveal twist. So you like this man and you're feeling the feel. You got a shocking secret you're keeping concealed. You're gonna drop that bomb, yeah, and seal the deal. You do the tragedy reveal twist. Yeah, you do the tragedy reveal twist. Yeah. It doesn't feel underhanded as an opportunity to bring this up even though it doesn't really answer the question but i think it creates this implication that she doesn't want to repeat the mistakes of the past or you know she wants to um, build a better life than her parents had or whatever like this stuff is a great thing to say to a parent even though like what are you supposed to like i guess me and the other powerful intelligent successful women will just chill like that's the answer right what do you want who run the world girls right (laughs) it's one of those real job interview questions where like where it's like very clearly there's one right thing to say and one very wrong Mm. thing to say Mm. but the trick is in how you say the right thing you know like like oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I I love other women. <laughs> like, right? Does Noel just hate to see them. a family of girl bosses winning? <laughs> you hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see a do. girl boss win. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, Noel asks Holly about her saying that she's in love with Jimmy. It's a bit early, don't you reckon? She says, "I don't believe in love at first sight, and it wasn't love at first sight with Jimmy and I, but I do love him." And I was wondering if there is a point that we can identify where it feels like that might have happened. If it wasn't straight away, like if it wasn't, you know, basically predetermined or whatever. Uh, This is going to be their third, I guess, single date. They've been on three so far and then Mm -hmm. this will be their fourth. Right. Okay. Now, the date where I think Holly and Jimmy fell in love is the date in which they kissed in the water. 
They're kissing the water in all of them. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> Holly Ten has been on seven group dates, which is not the most, but it is the second most. I don't know if that means anything. Yeah, I mean, that that, that means that there's more times to see him. You know, mm. if, we're, if we're saying it's not love at first sight, what it's love at what sight, you know? Right. Like, fifth mm. sight, sixth sight, seventh sight. Um, so the more sights we have, the more, like, you know, I guess I'll sure. believe her. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just curious, like, because we are seeing snapshots of these women where they will be pretty under the surface until it is their time to be on TV again. You know what I mean? Like, unless they're on a single date or a group date or they get some one-on-one sort of feature time or whatever. So you would think that it would be during one of those times where things changed or like, you know, the next time we see her, she is using the magic words and she is, you know, she has changed her position on this thing. I don't know. I guess we're drilling down too deep into it, but... um. Maybe it's just a good line. They would have also had like a million times at the cocktail party that they got to speak and yeah, hang true. out and, you know, that we've never seen. That's true. Um, uh, uh, Noel and Holly shake hands. Kind of interesting, right? Uh, and they head back to the group. And after Holly leaves, Noel reports back and says, my feeling is she's a really lovely girl. Bong pause. I don't think she's the right girl for Jimmy. Iconic. Yeah. This was so good. Big shock. Go Noel. Yeah. Like, I love that Noel comes from a family of strong, intelligent women, <laughs> is smart enough to recognize another one, <laughs> and then is like, go choose go choose the absolute opposite of that. <laughs> he goes and tells his family of women that he has just directly compared to this woman. Like, I don't want another one of these. Yeah. I, don't, I can't have another of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is with that? I don't know. May, I mean, is it like, uh, you, you can't speculate. He hates to see a girl boss winning. Yeah. That's so true. It's yeah. so true. Mm. But he does go on not to like, I think you're probably going to say this, Sabi, mm. in one second. But he goes on to be like, oh, you've you've dated women like Holly before and it hasn't worked, so it's right. time mm. for you to try something different. Right. So I kind of am like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then Susan says, from me, you're going to get the absolute reversal. She pulls out a reverse card. I didn't realize they were even playing Uno, but okay. Uh, she says, Brooke is too clingy, and I think that dynamic would be problematic. Holly is more independent and confident. And Jimmy says, it's 50-50. He spends a day with Brooke and says, it's Brooke. He spends a day with Holly and says, it's Holly. Would be embarrassing if you got him the wrong way around. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he he lays out the stakes at this point that we see in every single finale. Did I come here to play it safe or did I come here to take a risk? Because as we know, every single woman can be boiled down to one of those two qualifiers. The two genders. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take risky, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patrick had a really good point when we were kind of watching uh, the previous episode where he was still going on about like, how do I choose one? I can't, I don't know. One second, I think it's this person. The next second, I think it's this person. Patrick, what was your really good point about that? Do you remember? Well, I think it just shows that he hasn't made a strong connection with either. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, mm. if you if like if you genuinely uh that 
conflicted, it means that neither is the right choice. Yeah. Like, um, uh, and I think that like, it was very noticeable that like, he's gotten to the point of two women who he likes well enough, but Mm. like, you know, but doesn't, but doesn't particularly feel anything strong about either one, which is why they're both equal footing. Um, I think that was the point I made, right? It's, yeah. It's such an interesting structural element of The Bachelor in any, you know, version that in order to make the final episode compelling, they have to, a decision has been made that it has to be presented as in like, they are both equally likely and they both might happen. And here's the reasons that they're different. And, you know, in order to create suspense and stakes or keep the fucking three hour long episode going for that long you know, it's the highest rated episode of every season. So like it, 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 it works, but. I genuinely think that the, the last one that really worked on that was um, uh, Matt Agnew's mm. season, mm. you know, mm. like, like the, the choice there was, was strong, you know, yeah. like, and the two women were different and you could see that he was genuinely attracted to both of them in very different ways. So like, so I'm not saying that like, you know, he was genuinely in love with one more than the other, but he was definitely like, there were two different parts of him that were like, you know, interested in mm. people. So it was like, which, which sides are you going to choose? It's time for the last single dates with Brooke up first. Jimmy ITMs, we spent our first date up in the air, so I thought it'd be fitting that we spend our final date. And I'm like, come on, deep underground, deep underground. <laughs> No, it's a hot air balloon. Oh. We watch we watch them both arriving at sunrise. It is very scenic and very picturesque and just way too fucking early to wake somebody up if you're not going to pick them. What a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get a glimpse of his watch, but I'm like, fucking hell, this would be <laughs> a nightmare. We should know also that he's swapped watches. True. Yeah. So at a certain point, he is wearing um, the watch that I did some research into, which is called a Breitling Nav Timer B01. And uh, I joined a whole group on Facebook to find out about this watch. <laughs> uh, it is a watch that was first released in the 1950s and marketed to pilots specifically. Oh. So it is like the huh. pilot watch. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Um, so that's the big gaudy guy that he has on his wrist in all of the, the promo photos. Right. And it costs you about $12,500. Holy oh shit. God. Just buy yep. a plane. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a pilot so bad, just buy a plane. <laughs> oh my God. Because, yeah, I think this is like a sports watch. This is the one that he wears when he's like going into the water. The, you know, the, yeah. the, the one that I'm talking about, the digital display. We're looking at a, a proper Casio G Shock. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke weeps as the balloon is inflated. And it seems like it's at least like an hour or two later by the time that they're able to actually get in there. (laughs) Just inflate the balloon and then have them get there. Uh, Anyway, they kiss in the balloon. They shoot some Northern Territory tourism ads together. (laughs) NT Tourism has sponsored this season and they must be, I was thinking this, they must be so stoked that they have the incredibly effervescent and ebullient Brooke on board for the finale. Like, there are women who could have gotten to the end who would have been, you know, kind of phoning it in. But Brooke is, like, the most emotive and enthused person I've maybe ever seen. She's literally, like, jumping out of her skin. 
yeah. in this. She's yeah. literally jumping out of the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love NT. <laughs> <laughs> Or again, that's why he chose Brooke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't <laughs> also fascinating that their slogan is see you in the NT and uh, we have Holly who's been brought to the finale. That's is that true. really their slogan? I believe yeah, it is. It's their cheeky little their cheeky oh slogan. Oh my God, that's iconic. Uh, they end up at a batchy couch um, on land, not like in the sky, um, just to be really clear. Um they are next to a billabong under the shade of what I have to assume is some kind of cool bar tree. <laughs> uh, and Brooke tells Jimmy, I almost feel like we're in a relationship and we're ready for the real world now. I do want you to know how badly I want you and how much you actually mean to me as a person now. I've been thinking about you day and night, literally in the morning when I wake up and before I go to bed like the novel coronavirus uh and yeah i am hopelessly falling in love with you with her arms around jimmy brooke whispers it's scary to know that this is the last date but i know that this isn't the last date to which jimmy whispers scary (laughs) scary Somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a big, big confession of love. And it's part of the just like gut wrenching, you know, mm. particularly watching it back, knowing how it ends, although it was pretty much a foregone conclusion to begin with. It's just like, ugh, this is rough. But she still doesn't say, I'm in love with you. She, she says, says, I am hopelessly falling in love with you. That's true. That is like an, one step removed. I'm hopelessly falling in love love with you yeah yeah hopelessly adds but falling in remote we i think we Mm -hmm. need to make like a like a chart like there are levels to this you know you'd like to make a chart (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just thought i'd dip my toe into it give it a try (laughs) uh yeah okay fair enough (laughs) uh date number two jimmy wants to raise the stakes on this date with holly he itms that their previous dates have been a little bit simple but he wants to up the ante to really make this one special. How? With a fucking aeroplane. (laughs) This time he's not even flying it. Uh, So, you know, they get to check out Uluru from the sky. They relive an important moment from his past with his dad. Sounds fine, I guess, but still, I mean, come on. Um, after they do some sightseeing from the plane, they arrive at that spot where everybody goes to when they want to take a full photo of Uluru. Um, I saw them catching some flack online this week because MasterChef earlier this year filmed at this exact same location. But I'm like, what are you going to do? It's Uluru. It's the spot. It's the place. And um, they they pour some champagne, which they sip, and uh, they... They hit their two very obviously plastic glasses together. I'm like, there's someone in the sound team could sub in a ting here, right? <laughs> They've recorded hundreds of these. Just put one in there for me. But anyway, they kiss in front of the big rock and then they notice Jimmy's parents in the background just out going for a walk. What are the chances? I think the chances are pretty good. Uh, this this feels to me like they planned it, right? What, I, what what do you guys think? This I mean, this is a nice moment. I was reading into it that it was kind of unplanned. Okay, go on. Um, just based on what Osha was saying on Twitter, mm. that this was just kind of like not necessarily shoehorned in by the producers, but that I think Jimmy's mum 
genuinely wanted Jimmy's dad to get another look at Holly. I agree with that. Mm. And that she was like, no, we'll be going in in the morning and you, <laughs> Neil, will be having a look at this no. woman again. Wow. Who can guess? Yeah. <laughs> Someone is listening and they're just like, I can't believe Max doesn't remember his dad's name. Yeah, that person is me. Wrong. It's me when mm. I'm listening back. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that that was what the purpose of this was. And I don't know that it was altogether staged um, in, a, in a production sense as much as a this was the genuine will of Jimmy's mum being mm. forced upon the show. But I guess that's what I mean, though, right? Is that they they had their walk there because they, you know, they would have seen the camera crew and lighting. And oh, for shit sure, for, for sure, meters away or whatever. But how much more can you tell from a look like that? Like, not to like. Mm, that's true. Not to like reveal myself as a horse girl again on this podcast. I've done it before. <laughs> um, hasn't come up yet this time though. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It's about to, baby. Yeah, it's about to, baby. Um. What the podcast listeners can't see is that Eilish is riding a horse right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the podcast listeners can't see is that Eilish is whinnying right now. Um, they hate to see a girl boss whinny. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically what I'm thinking of when I hear the phrase along the lines of like, just one more, we need to just have one more look. It kind of reminds me of like, like if you're looking to buy a horse, right, you mm. will like have a test ride of this horse and there's really not that much more you can tell from just looking at the horse, if that makes sense. If you're looking to buy a horse, you will have a test ride of this horse. There's really not that much more that you can tell just from looking at the horse. Mm. Like if you were to do like a drive-by and look at the horse, it's like kind of like looking at a house that you're interested in buying just from the outside and like not going inside. Mm -hmm. Like how much more is that dad going to tell about Holly just by walking by and having a two-second conversation with her and then being like, all right, see ya. It seems like he got quite a lot out of it. Mm. Mm. At the end of this interaction, and I'm not sure if it's in your notes, Sabi. Go on. He turns around to them and he says, Love you both. Bye. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So this, you know, I mean. Maybe this is a pivotal interaction. It's big dad energy, that. <laughs> it is. I, it is classic. Like, you know, I used to work at Hoyt's and I would rip people's movie tickets before they were going upstairs. And I would always tell people to enjoy the movie and they would always tell me, you too. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that same mm. sort of vibe. Um. I don't know. Yeah. Look, this thing isn't spoiled whether it's real or fake or who planned it or how it ended up happening. It's good either way. Both parents say it's 1000% coincidental, very clearly while looking at the camera. But like, <laughs> maybe that's what you'd say anyway. I think it's cute. Um, that evening, they arrive at a batchy couch in front of a campfire. Holly says they have stepped things up a notch successfully. And Jimmy says it's a real improvement over paddleboarding in the rain with a wet dog. Hey, buddy. You're currently under national suspicion for having drowned that dog. Maybe not the best time to be making jokes about it. Jimmy asked if the similarities between Holly and people he's dated in the past might end up being a potential problem. Not really something she can answer, but, um, you know, she says everyone is different 
And if you love someone, you should never see them as someone who's similar to someone else. You and I are pretty unique in what we formed in a very strange scenario. It feels like it was really meant to be for me. Whatever happens, I want you to know that I do love you. And I've just got to kind of keep my connection with you in the front of my mind and trust that what we have is unique and enough. And they kiss and she says, I mean it though. I do love you. That sucks for Holly. That he asked that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit rough. He was like, you're so similar to all the other girls that I've dated. What (laughs) makes you different? (laughs) It sucks. And, And it sucks for, I mean... Maybe a producer asked him to, because like this came up earlier, so maybe he feels some pressure to readdress it or something. Mm. But yeah, it's mm. a non, it's a super not normal conversation that would never happen outside of the context of this show. I assume, totally. I assume that like the producers have told Jimmy, like, oh, you need a, you need to introduce some stakes here with Holly because yeah. we mm. can't have mm. it be too obvious that she's gonna win. Uh, so why don't you just ask her about being too similar to your exes that she's never met and doesn't know about? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in, on, on that level, it's almost kind of compassionate to her in the sense that it's like, whatever you say, like, no one will take this question that seriously. Mm. But you're right. Like a lot of the time they struggle to try and think of something and they're like, you know, oh, I'm just worried that she might be too perfect or whatever, which yeah. is like, uh, that's never held God, any water. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, you know, you never know. I think so So much of reality TV is about throwing bait out and seeing what happens. Mm, you know, and in that mm. sense, she was just kind of like, <laughs> but she could have been like, how dare you? I'm <laughs> snowflake, or, you know, or, True. you know, or just like, tell me these people and I'll kill them. You know? <laughs> That's actually so true. Yeah. Well, we can, I mean, why not? I don't think it's throwing anyone under the bus or anything, but we had someone that Jimmy dated on the show before who is remaining anonymous. We call her Lucy. She looks so much like Holly. It is truly crazy. Uh, there, There is a striking physical similarity. We can't share this photo because it will identify this person, but it is just like, wowie zowie. Uh, it's time. We've had the ponder shots where Jimmy looks over the horizon. We've had the slow-mo jogging. We've had the drone shots over the landscape. So now it's time for the slow-mo drone-operated ponder shots. We're combining all three. Shit is heating up. We see the women touching up their finale looks with voiceover, just repeating stuff we've talked about constantly already. Holly ITM saying, I know that Jimmy and I are just perfect for another for each other. And Brooke ITMs, I'm not perfect for Jimmy. And I know that, but he likes my imperfections. I feel like in this moment when they're like driving towards the final moment, they really, like the show really, really doubled down on trying to instill doubt in Holly's storyline and trying to rally the audience around Brooke being the winner, if Mm. that makes sense. Like they really, even though it's very obvious that Holly was going to be the winner, they were just like, let's just throw everything at it and see if we can like fake out some people. I was pretty faked out. Really? Like I I knew it was Holly, but the the more that it kept going, the more that I think I wanted it to be Brooke for the same reason that I think I wanted it to be Alex Nation in Richie's season. That's where I was just like, it was Alex Nation and Richie season. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, like, but, oh, uh, if you remember, Alex Nation was kind of seen as the unconventional choice yes. because they had this huge physical chemistry and this, like, uh, uh, unexplainable thing, whereas Nikki made more sense on paper for, for Richie coming from WA, being the sort of, like, shared interests, all that kind of mm. stuff in common. Now, with this... I just wanted the I just wanted the weird story to kind of win and see what happened from a sheer content perspective, I think. Mm. So the reason why I knew 100% for certain that it was going to be Holly in the moment where they're trying to fake us out when they're in the car on the way to the final moment was because Brooke kept saying, I know it's me. I know mm. it's going to be me. Mm. She kept saying variations of that yeah. kind of sentiment. The reason why... It wasn't her is because the show is incredibly cruel and mm. they punish her for saying that. Yeah, essentially. yeah, it's true. Because Holly never said that. She, in fact, on the way there to the final moment, she kept being like, I'm just, I have a gut feeling that it's me, but I feel like I could be wrong. And she's she really says she crying. has a sliver of doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they reward this like weird, humble thing right. um, that, like Holly has, you know, fell into because of anxiety and because of the feeling of the show or whatever. Mm. But because Brooke dares to be confident and dares to like trust True. her relationship with Jimmy, yeah. she's being punished by the show into looking like a fool for feeling yeah. like it could be her. Mm. And that's how I knew it wasn't her because she kept saying, I feel like it's me, you know? Mm. I, however, did think it was Brooke as well. But my theorizing is a lot simpler, and it's that usually the person with dark hair wins. Mm. <laughs> Fair and, enough. And I was willing to trust that right to the very end. Um, <laughs> and um, and the fact that uh, the Bachelor made a bold choice of diversity and chose a it's it's a trend from last year too, though. Bella's got darker hair than Irina. Hmm. And she wasn't picked. True. But both of them had dark hair. Yeah, that's true. So that, so, so that really, I was just like, it could be anyone. It's a stalemate. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most incredible stakes you'd ever seen in an episode oh, of the show. Yeah, like I was so confused. I just thought they were the same person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is somehow, unbelievably, still a ring sponsor for the Australian Bachelor franchise which has only ever seen two on-screen proposals. One of them was between Tara Pavlovic and Sta Sam Cochran, uh, and one of them was between Blake Garvey and Sam Frost. Uh, neither one of those turned out especially well, but hey, maybe Jimmy's going to be the one to turn it all around, thanks to the good folks at Larson Jewelry. He is, like, opening up the little clamshell and just, like, touching it, I guess, or whatever. Max, you look a little confused. Did Sam win that season? Sam Frost. Yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. They she won, they proposed, and then they split up within like days oh, or hours. And then or he went on to Dave's like, pillage. That's right. Yeah, totally negligible amount of time. But the finale ended Oof. with a proposal. Um, rough. Uh cut to nighttime at the truly beautiful spot that they have picked for the ending, um, which is this natural rock formation called Simpsons Gap. Um, I've got a bit of a Simpsons gap in that I haven't seen an episode of that show from the last 15 years. <laughs> uh, Osha greets Jimmy, who hasn't slept much, 
and uh, seems to imply even here that the final decision hasn't been made. He tells Osha, I'm torn. And Osha says, good luck, mate, and walks off. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own, buddy. This singing kebab isn't going to unmask itself. (laughs) Uh, This is rough. I mean, we've talked about a little bit. Like, I just wish that Osha was a little bit more hands-on. Wish he was a little bit more involved in, like, coaching or talking people through it or whatever. Because it seems like from his social media that they build some kind of relationship from working together. But Mm. it's never on screen. No, and it doesn't like it does make Osha become a little bit superfluous, you know, especially this season where he was just kind of like, "You made your decision." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what you're saying, uh, (laughs) let alone why. (laughs) I think yeah, he is. He is through years of being on this show, he has uh, smoothed out his uh, obligations. You know, he's like sanded Mm. them down to a pretty much ceremonial role. He gets to have some fun now and then. He gets to, like, plan a date now and then, or he gets to, you know, do some funny jokes in the voiceover or whatever that I think he gets to write. He always takes credit for them. Um, But, like, in terms of actual, like, hands-on time relationship building stuff, he's not really involved. Mm. Can I say, if we demand a more complex osha role just as we demand a more complex bachelor we may be faced with a flawed osha and i don't think that anyone's ready for that that's true that's really yeah. true yeah you're right yeah. i think we need to make our peace with um osha as an idea more yeah. than osha as a uh you know tangible presence yeah but i think he's cool and handsome <laughs> and smart and <laughs> Uh, I can't remember the last time we talked about that on this podcast. Uh, anyway, look, it's fucking finale time. We see a car pull up and a pair of beshooed feet drop down, <laughs> and we pan. Up. I mean, obviously she's wearing shoes. I don't know why. Beshooed. <laughs> beshooed. <laughs> I was writing these pretty late last night. I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, we pan up to reveal Holly. Record scratch. And then, you know, there's another car which pulls up and Brooke steps out. Um, let's talk about this. This is a little bit of a twist. They've kind of played with this a little bit in the past, but I want to know, like, hands up, who got fooled by this? Max Quinn has his hand up. He is the only one on the chat. As I, as I said before, I was not fooled by this. I was fooled by my hair color uh, here, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah. so at no point did this make any difference to me. At this point, I just want the full kaleidoscopic images rotating on the screen. Which one will it be? Like, I just want the card <laughs> shuffling in front Literally. of my eyes. Yeah. 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 Which I think maybe is kind of what they're attempting to do here. Oh, yeah. Totally. I was fooled. Yeah. Because obviously, we barely even need to talk about it. But like, the conventional wisdom is that the first one who comes out will be dumped. So that in the second one, we have the happy ending. Uh, and then they've sort of subverted this a little bit here. I think they've done it better in the past, to be honest. But. Hey, if it worked on Max Quinn, who's been doing a Bachelor podcast for five years, uh, you know, what? It can work on anyone. Nothing to complain about. Yeah. Um, Well, psych, Brooke's coming out first, and she really, really thinks it's going to be her. Jimmy says, Brookie, and we all collectively gulp. He says, I've been infatuated with you from the very start. We bonded over food and family and some of the nicest memories I'll ever have. 
You let me into your crazy little world and I've loved every second of it. It's been nothing but amazing. And then he kind of just waits a little bit too long before saying anything else. And Brooke sadly nods as tears well up in her eyes. Jimmy says, whenever we spoke about the future, it was always really difficult for us. You are perfect in every way and I would never want to change you. But we are two different people and it breaks my heart, but I have to say goodbye. Brooke swallows hard and she weeps gently and nods. And the first thing she says is, why did you do it here? Fuck yeah. Why here in Alice Springs? Jimmy says, honestly, I had no idea which way I wanted to go. And I've been thinking so much about this and there was just too many unknowns for us. She says, there wasn't too many unknowns. She takes a pause and then she goes, maybe you're not for me then. Because I need someone to take risks with me. And I need someone to take risks. And I fell really hard and it's a shame. This was brutal. It was very hard to watch, but I have to say, I really... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel that Bella from last year has set this fantastic precedent of giving The Bachelor a bit of a serve when you come second. Yeah. Mm, Abby Abby, too, that's true. Abby too. Oh, Abby, yes. Abby also, yeah. Abby was brutal, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's so, so good because these women are so powerless. They've been like played by this show. They've been played by this man and any way that they can reclaim a little bit of power in a moment where they're the most vulnerable is really good. And I hope that it's healing in some way. Mm. Um, So while it was very difficult to watch, it was good to know or at least be partially reassured that at least she gets to say something. At least it's not like a J situation where she doesn't ask any questions and she just goes home with right. no answers. Yeah. 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 And I think obviously, uh, you know, in a um, sort of cynical way or whatever, it just makes for really good TV, right? Cause you have yeah. so much buildup and um, if, even if it's not suspense or whatever, like you can feel the flood breaks sort of opening here and it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of irresistible. Um but yeah, also, yeah, I would hope, as you said, it's been healing and empowering for her and um, that sort of journey continues here because it, it is really pretty tough to to watch this. Um, Brooke walks away resigned. The camera follows her from a distance and she hurries just a little bit to get away. Um, and meanwhile, we watch Jimmy in extreme close-up as tears silently fall down his face. And uh, Brooke's backseat interview is compromised a little bit by some very bumpy terrain and uh, very bright, direct lighting. I can imagine it just like, God damn it. Um, but we hear her say, I've fallen in love with him and I don't know where that goes now. I guess it's just time that will heal. And she pushes her hair out of her eyes and we linger on the tattoo that she has on her arm, which has an airplane leaving a love heart trail. It's kind of fucking poetic in the mm. like, horrific sort of irony of it this was so heartbreaking mm. poor brooke i the thing that i hope doesn't hang over her head is this idea that she is in some way a risk totally um, yeah within this context for jimmy um he let's say was unwilling to accommodate the challenges that a long distance relationship with a woman with security or, um, you know, n- needs 
um, that are, are vastly different to his own mm. would have met. And that is, I think, the long and the short of it. And I think that he did a pretty good job of explaining that to her in saying, you know, we're two different people. Mm. And from the start, we've had this difficulty of how it would work out in the real world. Um, for her to interpol interpolate that as I need someone who will take risks with me, you know, like that sucks because uh, Holly in the same way, I don't think is the safe option as much as she is the option who might just fit more comfortably into the world that he lives within. And we as humans crave comfort. And I don't think that that means that she is safe in a, in a pejorative way. I also think the risk thing is like a self-fulfilling prophecy for her too, yeah, because totally. at some yeah. point, at some point along the line, either she has said it or he's said it or a producer has said that mm -hmm. there's a risk, there's some risk, the word risk has come up in some conversation and grown into this like monster of a thing that's hanging over her head to the point where she is self-confessing to be a risk. And yeah. it's just like... Where, who put that in your head you poor thing right. yeah. like it's yeah. not yeah. like it's it's not all of this is a risk like holly's a risk the whole thing is mm. a risk it's ridiculous that you would think that it's not yeah 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 um there's so, no yeah. safe option i feel i really feel for her especially that last thing that she said being like oh i need someone to like take a risk on me or whatever mm. it's like oh steva like you're not a risk yeah. it's terrible yeah and like you know her her needs, you know, the things that she's said that she wants and needs, which, you know, we've lampooned a little bit and the, the attachment and security stuff could have some sort of problematic things. But in essence, they're her lifestyle. That, you know, mm. and her lifestyle as an adult, as a fully realised adult, is actually just an expression of who you are. By the time mm. you're, you know, like old enough to sort of make that choice, who you are is manifested through your life, hopefully, you know, and Jimmy yeah. Yeah. has, has that, uh, has that need and want too. you know, like he loves his career and he loves the lifestyle that his career brings him. And he's not willing to, to um, compromise on that. And neither is, um, is Brooke. And that's like, and that's actually fine. So it's not really about risk at all. It's about mm -hmm. two people very clearly sort of saying, you know, what they, what they want and require from, um, from their own lives and from someone uh, joining their life, you know, and that um, it's, it, it's kind of a shame that like um, it kind of got uh, mixed up in, um, in making that seem like an insecurity and, and a risk. Yeah. Right, right. Like if we're to break it down, these are competing needs and defined boundaries. Yeah. And mm. if that were a reason to break up with someone, that feels like a pretty healthy reason to break mm. up with someone. Yeah. The shame is the interpolation and the shame is that he brought her all the way back from her dad's or grandpa's funeral yeah. um, in a pretty, it seems like, vulnerable state. Right. And then all the way along to the finale to Alice Springs to then walk her out in front of Uluru and be like, it's not you. Yeah. 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 And I think the other thing that we have to account for is obviously everything that we're hearing here is the exact moment that it happens. And it is what is, you know, rising to the top of her mind in this moment of like personal crisis or whatever. I feel like um, it is a, a failure or 
uh, I don't know. I mean, they can do whatever they want. But like, I I have constantly said that it would be incredible if there was some kind of after the final rose or some kind of debrief yeah. or some kind of like, you know, and not that it is the healthiest way to do it in public or anything. You know, there are, there are many things that they do for aftercare and there are psychologists and there are, you know, uh, support groups within people who went on the show and that kind of thing that all, I assume, help in this transition back into real life. But mm. Uh, in order for closure and for, you know, the way that we remember these people to uh, solidify, you know, maybe after a few weeks or months or however long, um, you know, uh, Brooke would have a slightly different read on things here and would be able to more fully, like, own her um, outcome and um, the way that she views herself as a result of it. Absolutely. Mm. There's so many, there's so many different stages of, um, of, you know, essentially grief, you know, in a breakup, yeah. you know, and that's exactly what we have and seeing only the very first stage as well. It's usually the messiest and often the, the stage that you regret the most. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The rawest uh, stage, you know, might not be the saddest and it might not even be the angriest you get, but it is definitely the rawest. Mm. And yeah. so, you know, being left with that as your kind of, you know, the last thing that Australian TV sees of you, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, then we have the ending. Um, we hear Jimmy say it in voiceover before Holly has even walked down the stairs to meet him. He says, relationships involve work, yes, but I think love should be easy. And I can honestly say that falling in love with Holly is definitely one of the easiest things I've ever done. And I'm like, after what we just saw, that stings a little bit, right? This yeah. process has not been super easy on anybody, dude. I mean, I get it's a nice sentiment. And I think he's right. Like, I think I think he is right. Like, a relationship is something that you work at, hmm. but it shouldn't be hard to know that you're in love with someone. I don't think that we particularly saw that here. I don't think that there's any real evidence that that happened, but I think that he is right, hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jimmy says, Holly, when I think of a future with you, it's exciting, it's fun, it's passionate. You make anything we do incredible and you light up any room that you're in. For me, love is getting home from a tough day at work together and cooking. It's me leaving a note on your pillow and I know I'm not going to be there when you get home. It's very domestic. Interesting. Um, it's having a fight, making up and growing from it. And I can't wait to experience all of these things with you. And that's what this ring represents. Let's put it on the right finger. It's not the marriage finger. Um, he goes, Hull, I want you to know that I am in love with you and I can't wait to see what the future has in store for the both of us. And they kiss. And Holly kind of giggles and she goes, I've forgotten everything I was going to say. I love you. They kiss again. She says, I'm so happy. And Jimmy says, yeah, me too. Drone shot pulls back. Format devised by Mike Fleiss. What wow. do you reckon? I, in my like opinion, this was such a blip compared with what happened to Brooke. Like mm -hmm. there is not enough here for us to grapple onto that. The point of doing it in this order is so that you end with the happy ending. But I was like, barely even thinking about this. Same thing. Same thing happened with Irina, you know? Right, yeah, totally. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, I think love can be as beautiful and as crazy and as exciting as it is. I think it can also be quite boring. Totally. Mm. Um, a happy ending is boring as hell mm. because 
like you don't get that like complex flood of emotion that we saw from Brooke. Every mm-hmm. second of her reaction was shown to us because it was interesting and engaging mm. and devastating and hard to watch. Absolutely. Um, but arguably the most in- interesting part about the Holy Jimmy resolution is Jimmy's speech where he finally opens up and says that he loves her. Mm. That's over within two minutes. He talks about like leaving a note on her pillow, which is the nicest thing that he said. And then it's over. So it's like, there's yeah. really nothing else to say about it. Um, and that's when we all go to Instagram to see that they haven't posted a picture yet. Right. But I wonder, mm. I wonder if even that frantic search on Instagram is built into the way that the show works yes. now that, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously it is tradition that there is a post after, after the fact, but mm. they, the, 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 the gap between the TV show and social media has been so effectively bridged at this point that, yeah. you know, they don't have to put in the work. They don't have to create more content here. They don't have to try and get more interviews with them or whatever. Cause they, they know that we're just looking for it elsewhere. Anyway, this is where the next stage begins. Mm. That's really interesting. Cause what that effectively does is shift where the complication in their love narrative is right. So like in any good love story, for there to be an effective happy ending, and I say this with um, uh, many years of working in the romance and erotica book industry, um, <laughs> so where the happy ever after is something, it's a formulated um, trope, right? Mm. And so, that, so in order for there to be a satisfying happy ever after, you need to have a complication um, earlier in the piece, right? That we see them finally overcome in one last climactic situation yeah Mm -hmm. in a good bachelor thing we will have had that uh, good bachelor thing in a good season of the bachelor we will have had that complication teased and set up rigorously throughout the narrative and we and we should be on tenterhooks by that final speech about whether or not they've done it it's actually a bad season of the bachelor where like where the only real complication is who he will choose yeah multiple complications set up at an overarching sort of there should be character growth there should be all this sort of stuff instead what we've seen with this is that like yeah he chooses someone and that's where we go but did he stay with them and we rush yeah. to instagram and yeah yeah so so we don't get that epiphany and that moment of catharsis until we're on instagram right mm. right mm. that's really true I mean, I guess maybe this is why I wanted him to pick Brooke, you know, in that sense of like, if you are going to deliver a satisfying narrative outcome, yeah, yeah. this is it, right? You are choosing the perhaps more flawed version of what romance is, but in in making that decision for a television product, you are choosing to overcome the obstacles. Yeah, and so justifying previous decisions and, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, and that could have gone two ways, uh, mm. more unlikely than the other one. But one, just like our connection is so strong that I, you know, to hell with to hell with logistics, like you said, fuck logistics, you know, like, yeah, like, like fuck it, you know, like like it doesn't matter. Like I'll fly around the world to be with you, you know, like it, you know, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. we can resolve this. And she's just like, yes, I believe it too. Wonderful, great, opposites attract. Or it's just like you ensnared me with your charms. I no longer, the sky is no longer my wife. It, you know, <laughs> I don't care. I'll become some sort of like 
ground crawling tractor driver or something. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so that I can come home to you every night, you know, like, yeah. Um, like, and that w- both of those would show a shift in character growth, which, uh-huh. you know, ugh. Yeah, but at but the end not- of the day, it's not a satisfying narrative. It's things that happened to people, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we just have to make our peace with that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the show has to turn it into a narrative that either satisfies or in this case is fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that we are talking about the narrative continuing on Instagram because... <laughs> We saw some big gains this week. Huge fucking gains. Almost everybody got a bump this week. As the old saying goes, a rising tide lifts all boats except Annabelle O'Regan, who was eliminated in episode one and has since scrubbed any trace of The Bachelor from her Instagram page. I have that on a tea towel. Um, (laughs) Okay, so first things first, I did a little bit of a graph. I don't know if you guys know, but I've been having some fun with graphs, uh, which showed the 24 hours post finale for like the major players, um, Jimmy, Holly, and Brooke, uh, which you can find in the Osh Posting group or on our socials. I was curious about how the finale in particular would affect the numbers. So I have more stats than I can really cover here in terms of like pre-finale follower growth since last week, and then the post-finale growth in the day or two since then. For consistency's sake, I'm going to keep things pretty similar to the rest of the season where I will just talk about the gains between Saturday, August 28th and Saturday, September 4th, just post finale. So let's go. First place in gains this week goes to the ring winner of The Bachelor Australia season nine, Holly Kingston, who gained a monumental 50,161 followers in the last week alone. Think about it this way. The finale that we have just talked about drew in around 600,000 viewers. So that's mm-hmm. just under one in 10 people who watched this week all jumped on Instagram and hit follow. Like that say- is why we have been covering these Instagram stats all season. That is unreal. That level of engagement with the audience. Yeah, but I would say at least half of them are journalists who are recapping the bad (laughs) 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 who just want to get a a notification in case they break up. (laughs) Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. My Instagram is like, it's like person I know, person I know, person I know. Then I'm just like, who is this person? Like, did I go to school with them? Like, you know, why, like, why do I follow them? Is like, is that someone who works in sales? And then I'm like, oh, wait. They were on maps three years ago. Four years years ago. But I've followed them for so long now, I assume they're a friend. And I'll just be like, congrats, babe. And then I'm like, who is this? (laughs) Hey, bestie, love the new tan or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, good on you. Are we related? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess there's no way to actually uh, see the stats on uh, what the occupations of all of the people following this. (laughs) these uh folks are but yeah um second place was her hunky new boy toy jimmy nicholson who gained a truly impressive thirty three thousand eight hundred and fifty one new followers this week wow big not too shabby this is in the last week like you know he's he's Mm. he's a big dog and he is barking um (laughs) jimmy's scorned runner-up brooke was unsurprisingly in second place as far as contestants go, 
with a sizable leap of 9,450 followers. You don't want to come second. You don't want to come second. That's a great point. You want to win the fucking thing. That's a great point. Um, In third place for the women was Carly Hodges. Still enjoying an overflow of support and sympathy from last week's exit, gaining 5,839. Not Jay, who was on the TV this week, which is interesting. Mm. Um, Interestingly, though, and I mean, it's probably easier to convey this in a graph, but Carly was massively outdoing Brooke up until the finale aired. She had around... 3,500 more new followers in the days leading up to the finale than Brooke did. Um, and then, yeah, Jay even below that in the fourth spot. So mm. the, 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 the Carly stuff is just o- overwhelming. But Brooke, I think, really accelerated due to the finale. So you don't want to come second, but you definitely don't want to come third. No, third, yeah. third's awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then let's just quickly talk briefly about the overall gains up to this point. They're basically where you would imagine them to be. Holly, who has been in first place for five out of the seven weeks of this season, has been handsomely rewarded with a total of 62,757 new followers all up since preseason. In second place overall is the great Brooke Cleal, who has never graced the top spot, but whose finale gains basically make up two-thirds of her overall following increase of 14,509. And just behind her in the overall rankings is not our third place finisher, Jay, but instead fourth place finisher, Carly Hodges, whose squeaky clean edit and tragic farewell compelled 14,379 Instagram users to hit that big blue rectangle. Uh, The last story in games this week. Nobody is allowed to speak when I'm doing this. (laughs) Uh, our handsome host, Osher Ginsberg, has managed to claw his way out of the negative zone this week. His imperfect acknowledgement of country and general absence from the final week notwithstanding, Osher managed to recover 176 followers this week, meaning he's only down 174 from when the season started. That's crazy. Mm. I don't know. People, I mean, I, I have to assume it's just like everyone who's going to follow him is already following him. Mm. Yeah. Death taxes and Osher Ginsburg. <laughs> He's just there. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't know if I follow him or not, but I just expect that I do. But yeah, I guess I wonder as well. Like, we're talking about his reduced role in the show. Um, it's not a pattern that has started this year. Like, you know, he has been playing this similar background role for at least a few years. Um, mm. But like, yeah, if he if he was gunning for more Instagram followers, there's stuff he could do. I don't think it matters that much to him. Um, he's happily married. He's fine. He doesn't need anything. <laughs> yeah, he's a famous man who hosts fucking ten shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, that's the end of the games. And that's also the end of the episode uh, for this week. What a season! What a great time we've had. I want to say a special shout out to our friends Eilish and Patrick. Eilish Gilligan's new EP, first one to leave the party, is out now. Rules. And Fucking rules. It's so, so good. So good. It's so good. It's it's uh beautiful, interesting, thoughtful songwriting. And uh Patrick Lenton's Hello, uh new book. Not hello as in that's me, that's you. <laughs> hello, Patrick. Hi. Uh Sexy Tales of Paleontology Hot is rocks. also out now. Uh look. <laughs> Uh, do you know what you got to go? You got to go support the support the troops and um, yeah, get get around the EP. 
get around the book. Um, the more around you can be, the better. That is the BOH pod guarantee. Yeah, true. Friends, and, and follow thank you so much. Eilish on Twitch and follow both of these beautiful people on all of their wonderful social medias. Give it them that good old bump. <laughs> mm. um, and if you want to read their love story, we've posted it in the uh, Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group as well. True. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so yeah. much for having us. It is a joy and a pleasure as always and an honor. Wow. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much. We love you both. Thank you, friends. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, Xavi. Well, Maxie. Another season done and dusted. Another season. Dive right in. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> we did it. I'm so happy. Yeah, look, I think that that was a pretty fun season all in all. I think that we will have a lot to say next week about ways in which the franchise might improve. Yeah. Uh, listeners, uh, please stick around. Stay with us as we move into a bit of a mini off season here with The Bachelor. We will be debuting a whole new series of podcasts. Bachelor of Hearts presents Ancient History coming up uh, as well as that, uh, yeah, our State of the Batchy Nation address, which you will be able to hear in your pod feeds this time next week. I think you're going to really like it. Uh, and also, just very briefly, um, of course, I want to shout out to the Zaveheads. Uh, big. The Zaveheads will be across this already, but for any of you who don't know, um, big event happening this week. It is my 29th birthday. <laughs> this isn't how I thought I would set this up, but anyway. Um, we would love it. There is no nice way to ask this, but we would love it if you would rate and review our podcast on whatever service you're using to listen to it. Um, we did a big push for this last year, um, also for my birthday. And I truly think that it like helped us get out to some new people, um, as well as just tickling my ego on my special day. Um, if you, uh, you know, if you, if you have a second, do it now, that would be great. Um, say something nice, consider it a birthday card. Um, don't say anything nice about Max cause it's not his birthday. Please don't. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be cool. I think particularly because we're going off season and doing our own thing a little bit now, um, there might be some new folks who uh, might want to get across that. Yeah, look, we'd really love it if you wanted to share the pot around with uh, anyone who you think might enjoy it. It would be a true blessing for us, yes. us sweet boys. Um, and I tell you, that is kind of I think all we've got for you. In terms of this season, we will be back with more next week. Xavier, do you have anything else? No, not really. I'm really no. happy with how this has gone. I love you, my friend Max. I love our dear I listeners. Love you. Listeners, I tell you, we, we love, love you. you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>